Hey, my name is Chris Brennan, and you're listening to the Astrology Podcast. In this episode, we're going to do a deep dive where we're going to go into and explain the meaning and the characteristics associated with the zodiac sign Sagittarius. So joining me today are astrologers Ashley Paris and Rob Bailey. Welcome, both of you. Thank Hi, you Chris. For Hey, thanks for, thanks for joining me today on this episode. This is the ninth installment in my series on the signs of the zodiac, where we've been doing a deep dive through each of the signs. Uh, in the last episode, we did the arguably best sign of the zodiac, which is Scorpio. And now we're moving on to the, the later signs of the zodiac, which, which are, you know, they're, they're okay. They're up there in terms of like good signs. I think you'd both agree. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I would say Sag is number one, and maybe Scorpio can take second, but... <laughs> I'm a fan of Scorpio, you know, but uh, yeah, I have my own preferences. <laughs> All right. I think this episode is over. I think we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sag, and I know my truth, Chris. <laughs> All right. Well, you stick to those, convention, those convictions. We're going to talk a lot about that, a lot about belief, conviction, and uh, uh, different things like that in this episode. So um, first, let me give the data. So today is Sunday, December 4th, 2022, starting at, looks like I started at 1217, 12, or sorry, 2.17 or 2.18 p.m. in Denver, Colorado. And this is episode 379 of the Astrology Podcast. So where I usually start with these episodes is first talking about the credentials of my guests, because with each of these episodes, I've been trying to have one or two astrologers on that have um, heavy placements in the signs that we're talking about or have some placements in their birth chart in those signs. So I wanted to first ask you what, what placements you have in Sagittarius and what your, what your Sagittarius credentials are for this episode. Um, which one of you wants to, wants to start? Maybe I'm Aries rising, so I might jump in and go first, Chris. How's that sound? Okay, sure. Yeah. So do you feel comfortable sharing your chart? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, here we go. So for the audio listeners, Rob's chart has late Aries rising, and you have the Sun, Mercury, Neptune, and Uranus all in the sign of Sagittarius. Yeah, it's a bit of a stellium when you chuck in those outer planets. Um, uh, but yeah, Sun and Mercury conjunct in Sag does sort of focus it all in there a bit. Um, and I do have the ruler of my rising sign, Aries, in, uh, in Virgo as well, which maybe balances the Sagittarius qualities out a little mm. bit. Nice, nice. I like that. That's a good. That's good. Uh, as well as some air signs with Venus in Aquarius on the sign of the the degree of the midheaven, the Moon in Gemini, and Saturn in Pluto over on around the de descendant in Libra in the seventh house. Yeah, I'm almost entirely air and fire, but that <laughs> so that uh that Mars in Virgo is doing a lot of work to keep me grounded. Right, and then Jupiter in Scorpio. Yes, as well. Yeah, absolutely. So where that all that Sagittarius stuff is is going is towards is to, into Scorpio. Um, so perhaps that explains some of my like esoteric interests and maybe my like slightly darker sense of humor, perhaps. <laughs> right. All right, uh, Ashley. What about you? What's your what are your credentials? I'm a Sag Sun, and I have my North Node in Sagittarius as well. So not quite a stellium, but I feel like they're still pretty powerful and. Everywhere I go, everyone picks up on the Sag energy, for, for sure. Nice. So for the audio listeners, you have late Taurus rising, and you have the sun at 9 degrees of Sag, and the north node at 21 degrees of Sag in the 8th whole sign house. Mm -hmm. 
Brilliant. Um, your chart, I always tell you your chart looks very familiar, both because you have the <laughs> same moon in Aquarius and Mercury in Scorpio as me, but also I think your chart looks very similar to another guest, Becca Tarnas, who also has like the sun in Sag, Taurus rising, Mercury in Scorpio, and moon in Aquarius. Mm-hmm. And I love that uh, astrologers have that kind of overlap. You tend to like be drawn to people, I think, sometimes that have similar placements. Um, and Rob, I noticed that he has a midheaven in Aquarius, and so do I. That's so. a good point. There you go. Interesting. Okay, good. All right. Well, I think those are pretty good credentials. I think you can both speak pretty authoritatively for, for <laughs> the sign as representatives of the sign of Sagittarius here. Um, so let me put up some graphics for those watching the video version of this. So first, I want to start with the image from our poster which shows the signs of the zodiac and their basic qualities we started way back in aries earlier this year uh, which is the first sign of the zodiac after the uh, vernal equinox and now we're all the way up to jupiter which is the last sign of the zodiac just before the uh, winter solstice in the northern hemisphere so in terms of the credentials for jupiter or, or for sagittarius i should say Sagittarius, the word, the Greek term meant the archer, and, and that's part of the glyph for Sagittarius, is it's usually stylized as a sort of arrow that's being shot up into the air. Um, in terms of its other stats, Sagittarius is a masculine or diurnal sign. It's said to be a fire sign, or it's said to be fiery. It's a mutable sign. It's one of the four mutable signs in terms of modality or, or quadruplicity. Also, um, in the Stoic element, said to be a hot sign because it's a fire sign and, and fire rises upwards to the uppermost limits of the cosmos. In terms of the uh, sign rulers and the dignities, uh, Sagittarius is said to be ruled by the, the planet Jupiter, and it's said to be the sign of the detriment or antithesis of Mercury because it's opposite to one of Mercury's home signs, which is Gemini. So those are our basic stats for Sagittarius. It's a diurnal, fire, mutable, hot sign ruled by the planet Jupiter. All right, so where should we start here in terms of this? Um, one of the things I've talked about a lot is the sequence of the signs of the zodiac, and it seems like the signs of the zodiac often have a corrective function over the sign that came before it. So one of our starting points or our contrasts might be a little bit of the contrast having done the Scorpio episode last month and then talking about what it is then that, that Sagittarius brings that's new or different or you know, acts as a corrective or, or almost like improving function to counterbalance the, the emphasis of the qualities of the sign that came before. And one of the things that came up in that last episode was this funny joke by uh, astrologer named Micah, and they said that one of the things they like to do just to like bother Scorpios is like at a bar or something is to say that the Scorpio says something to them and they say that's really it's really not that deep or it's not that deep. So there's a there's like a like a seriousness and an intensity to Scorpio, and I think one of the primary things that I always notice when you get to Sagittarius is suddenly things lighten up like a lot and it's a lot more jokey it's a lot more jovial um a lot more like gregarious and there's 
maybe a bigger sense even of optimism in some ways of this boundless sort of optimism and playfulness i think that acts as the the contrast coming after scorpio what do you what do you two think about that yeah i i really agree with that i think um it's quite a contrast really when you move from scorpio to sagittarius it's it's like a real handbrake turn um <laughs> they do i think there's an interesting kind of uh follow through in a way because scorpio has a real great interest in in the topic of truth you know getting to the bottom of things and really understanding what is the truth what is the real nature of of things and i think sagittarius shares that but it also has a different perspective on it so scorpio might have like a more cold hard look at truth mm-hmm. whereas sagittarius has a more optimistic take and tends to see like the bright side of things so there's that interest in in understanding things deeply but um sagittarius sort of has a optimistic spin or you know maybe unkindly we could say it like rose tinted glasses perhaps um <laughs> jupiter yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah that's the sort of the first thing that comes to my mind when i think about the contrast between those two signs how about you ashley um so i love all of those points and kind of as you guys were saying i feel like sagittarius is kind of the light that comes after scorpio and you have to think of scorpio as the death and rebirth process kind of and Sagittarius is what is blossoming from that rebirth. Um, and I would see Scorpio as more of like black and white and Sagittarius being more colorful. Um, and definitely. That's a, that's oh, a go good ahead. point. So it's almost like Sagittarius coming after Scorpio is the notion that there is almost like life after death or a life after death potentially. Mm hmm. Like even in you know those smaller instances in our lives where we go through a phase of things dying or things coming to an end and a close, and there can be like a darkness and sadness to that. Mm-hmm. Sagittarius is the one that comes after that says like you know this is just one phase, and if you look at it in the big picture, you know it's not the end necessarily. Yeah, definitely, and I feel like Scorpio is almost more comfortable with being in a depressive state. I know depression is kind of Saturn, but I would say they're more comfortable with wallowing a little bit or looking at the darker side of things. And Sagittarius is also comfortable with the dark side, but they're a little bit more detached, um, whereas Scorpio's attached to whatever happened to them. And Sagittarius just wants to move on. They don't really Mm. think about the past anymore. They're the bow and arrow that's shot upward. So that's a that's a really good point because the Scorpio one, one of the things we talked about was having difficulty letting go and like hanging on to things, whether it's people or emotions or like um past, you know, conflicts or or injuries or something like that that somebody did to 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 the person mm-hmm. versus Sagittarius has an easier time maybe letting go of things and moving forward. Yeah. yeah. And just another thing to touch on that actually. I feel like in a way, um, all fire signs are really good at kind of letting go and getting rid of things that no longer serve you, um, which is something that Sagittarius is great at. Scorpio can kind of hold on to things that don't serve them any longer. Um, And a great example I have of like, think of fire, you use fire to cook your food. You use fire to cook meat to make it edible because it's unsafe to eat that kind of stuff without cooking it. And it kills microorganisms that are not good for you. So again, it's like 
Sagittarius and fire is letting go of things that are not good for you. Whereas Scorpio may kind of hang on to that. They're fixed. So they're like, well, it's, it's really important to me, whether it's bad or not. Um, and Sag doesn't want any part of that because they want what's best and they're just moving forward. <laughs> right. Because um, Sagittarius is the third fire sign that we've encountered so far in the signs of the Zodiac. And it's the one mutable sign. So mutable signs tend to be a bit more, a lot more flexible and um, you know, as opposed to like Leah, that was more of like a fixed fire sign. Sagittarius, as a mutable sign, has um, greater ability to like adjust and mm -hmm. move around things, perhaps instead of staying in one place. Change, mm -hmm. change. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good point. It reminds me of one of my other notes in the contrast between Scorpio and Sag, which is exactly that issue of the modality. Um, that um, on the sort of topic of of truth and inquiry and things like that. Um, uh, Scorpio really wants to be certain and to have you know certainty about things, whereas I think Sagittarius is more ready to embrace ambiguity and embrace things that are like not necessarily completely um, settled. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I think that's the mutable quality coming through that that sort of it's so like looking at the big picture, things are complicated, mm -hmm. things are messy, and Sagittarius is like okay to be in that kind of messy space and reconciling different perspectives and different ways of thinking. Um, whereas I think Scorpio really wants to hone in and, and, and really try and, you know, perhaps it's the Mars part as well, that fixed <laughs> Mars wants to just hit the bullseye. Um, Sagittarius is comfortable to kind of like have more of a spread <laughs> around, the, around the target, if you like. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I like that because that goes back to that analogy I've mentioned many times uh, that Robert Zoller always gave me. He said that he said Aries is like a machine gun fire versus um, Scorpio is like a like a sniper rifle. It's just like a single piercing shot that's like right on the target. But then when you get to Sagittarius again, it's just like, you know, a hail of shooting arrows every which direction. And, and eventually, like some of them will hit hit the target or many targets. Yeah, I like the idea of like a, a barrage of arrows or like <laughs> artillery or something. This is getting a bit martial, you know, <laughs> right. but, but yeah. maybe that's my Aries rising coming through. But like, you know, you don't have to hit to be effective as long as as long as enough hit yep. then you've mm -hmm. done the job um so it's a bit a little bit similar in that in that in that way yeah and with jupiter like you think jupiter is expansion and like we have so many opportunities we feel there's so many arrows we have why would we focus so much on the one arrow when we have so many chances um and i was listening to the aries episode with rick levine and i think he mentioned that aries is kind of like a ready fire aim instead of ready aim fire right. <laughs> and i feel like sagittarius is pretty similar um we do tend to hit the bullseye because <laughs> we're archers we're hunters um but we are kind of a ready fire aim as well where we don't really think of the consequences until we've already fired that mm. fire sign like enthusiasm <laughs> you know we're re we're excited to get started and sometimes we don't do that prep work that scorpio would do mm -hmm. blind optimism too that scorpio may see as like naive like why aren't you taking more time to think about this but um sagittarius kind of needs that blind optimism to make certain things happen if you didn't have this strong belief in I can do anything like I really can do anything I set my mind to um, because mm. again Sagittarius is a perfect blend of 
like the animal instinct, the animal side, and then humanity. So it's kind of like the blend of that. Um, and if we set our minds to it, we can physically do it. It's <laughs> a good point. At least we that, think so. That human and, and animal can contrast in Sagittarius. I think the ancient or well, the medieval books would certainly talk about, you know, the first part of Sagittarius being, you know, the human and the, and the se- second part of the sign being bestial or the other way around. I can't remember which way it goes. Mm. Um, but they would divide the sign up in that way and say that, you know, the first half is more human and the, the other half is, is more animal in nature. And that, that combination um, comes through in, in lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that point about optimism and just being the first Jupiter ruled sign because most of the other signs, except for the two Saturn ruled signs, we've already encountered one version of so far with like Venus's two signs or Mercury's two signs or what have you. So, this is the first time in this series that we've encountered Jupiter. And one of the things about Jupiter is just that it, it affirms and it confirms things and has a very like positive, you know, Jupiter being the greater benefic or the larger and more, more positive of the two benefic planets between Venus and Jupiter. There is this underlying sort of like unbridled optimism so that sometimes comes as Sagittarius or people with heavy Sagittarius placements. Um, one of the astrologers I always think of, like every time I think of Sagittarius, um, is, is an astrologer who, who unfortunately passed away a number of years ago, but his name was Kelly Lee Phipps. And he just had this um, stellium in Sagittarius. So he had Sagittarius rising, like the ascendant at 18 degrees of Sagittarius. And then he had Neptune, Jupiter, Mars, and Venus all in Sagittarius in the first whole sign house. And this guy was just a bundle of just like unbridled enthusiasm. And um, it was so, you know, sometimes like over the top, but it could be so disarming, like that he could just come up and like embrace like anybody with this enthusiasm. And he had that also for projects. And it reminded me of this project that he did where he wanted, he suddenly just got the idea, he wanted to make like a documentary about astrology where he interviewed a bunch of astrologers and he kind of made it like that movie in the mid 2000s, What the Bleep Do We Know? He wanted to do like an astrology version of that. And he didn't have any like experience doing like filmmaking or interviews or video editing or anything else. He's just like, I want to do this and I'm going to do it. So he just like set an intention for doing it. And then he started just like manifesting it. And he got, he raised funds like a, like a client or somebody wrote him a check for like $20,000 or something. And he bought like all this video equipment and then he just goes out and starts interviewing astrologers at conferences over the course of the next few years. And if you watch the video, it's like his first interviews weren't very good because he was just learning as he went about doing like audio and video. And like he had some interviews where he was outside and like the wind was blowing. So the audio was all messed up. But he, but it didn't matter because instead of needing to like plan every little detail and everything out ahead of time, which maybe for some people would have stopped them in their tracks by, you know, losing the mem- momentum and, not being able to finish the project because they never took the first step, um, his enthusiasm and just belief in himself and in what the the vision is that he's had in his mind and his optimism just sort of like carried him through the project eventually in the end and he was able to like see that to completion as like one of the you know one of the major things in terms of his life work before he passed away prematurely from cancer at a relatively young age, but. I always think of his optimism and enthusiasm as one of his like core traits, mm. and that does make a good contrast with the 
a more sort of skeptical or cynical or like you know careful approach of Scorpio. Um, right. I think a Scorpio wouldn't dive in in that way. They would they would much prefer to you know do a lot of preparation and come in when they're they know that they're ready and they've got that mastery um, rather than um, just you know diving in and just with the optimism that this will work out somehow we'll figure it out on the way. Yeah, and that's really the contrast with. Especially with really, especially the two adjacent malefic ruled, you know, quote unquote malefic ruled signs, which are Scorpio right before Sagittarius and then Capricorn right after. Because then with Capricorn, you get another corrective function where um, suddenly Capricorn is much more cautious. It is much more pessimistic. It is wanting to plan for the long term uh, and what the long term goal is and to, to have that sort of in sight. So with both of those, but it's like Sagittarius is just this. Um, super optimistic island that's just kind of like sandwiched in between these otherwise a little bit more a little bit more um, you know pessimistic signs in some ways mm, that's a really good point it's sort of like there's, a, there's an interesting flow through those three signs where Scorpio has that kind of let's look at the cold hard reality of things let's pick up the rock and look at the bugs that are crawling around underneath <laughs> you know and then Scorp and then Jupiter says, "Well, well, hold a minute. If you zoom out and you look at the big picture of things, life's actually amazing and beautiful and wonderful. And like, every- like this is look at how, look at how the stars turn and look at how like life grows and flourishes. And you know, isn't it amazing to be here? And then Capricorn comes in and says, "Yes, but ultimately everything will die and the sun will go out and the universe will be cold and dead. And you know, so it's sort of like zooming out layer by layer." But um, yeah. ultimately, Saturn as the highest visible planet is like the final word on, on things. And there's a sort of a somber note that, it, that we're left with, with Capricorn. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Camille Michelle Gray actually helped with some of the research going into this episode. One of the things that she wrote for Capricorn's corrective function over Sagittarius is that um, Capricorn corrects Sagittarius with dedication, focus on an end goal, sobered thought, methodologic, methodological approach, delayed gratification, willingness to go it alone, practicality, and risk aversion, which is a good good keyword, I think, for Capricorn as well. I think by contrast, like Sagittarius doesn't have as much like risk aversion necessarily. Mm, that's true. And that's another good contrast with Scorpio, is that I think there's an openness. The Sagittarius and like almost a trusting quality. Mm. We tend to think the good, the best of people, um, and then we're often surprised and like shocked when people are not as good as we think they are. And Scorpio, I think, might look at Sagittarius's you know openness and trusting nature with almost like concern or worry, like that this person's going to get hurt, um, because Scorpio has that defensive quality to it, where Sagittarius almost like is taking off its armor and just saying like. Here I am, you know, like who could ever hate me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, I feel like too, so you guys were kind of mentioning like the Capricorn stuff a little bit. And I think a word that is shared with Sagittarius and Capricorn is broad mindedness. Mm. Um, and I do think that they're very different types of broad mindedness. Of course, we've talked about uh, Sagittarius is more positive. Um, whereas Capricorn is going to be a little bit more realistic and really look at the consequences. Um, they're going to think before they act, think before they do anything. And they're a little more disciplined in themselves, kind of like Scorpio. Um, and Sagittarius would rather procrastinate, um, and just act on impulse. I think. 
Mm. It's a more measured approach with Capricorn and like, let's take the steps up the mountain one after the other to steadily towards the goal. Yeah. Whereas Sagittarius is more f- sort of flippy floppy and like <laughs> when inspiration strikes, we'll make, make great strides. Uh, but yes, there is a procrastinating side <laughs> as well. I, I really like what you said about the, the, the broad perspective of both of those signs. I think with the, because they're ruled by the planets that are the highest up in the traditional cosmos and the, the highest visible planets, both Jupiter and Saturn sit above and look down on things from that very high perspective mm-hmm. but they have a different take on things they have a different that their, their conclusion from that perspective is different yeah yeah that's a really good point and i liked what you said rob about taking making great strides and speed because i think that was something that really came up and i've really gotten a better sense of this year for aries one of like the need for for speed is like a very aries type um thing or a core function of aries and the other sign that's like that, actually, that's very quick and likes doing things fast um, and taking great like leaps or strides is, is definitely Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. It does rule the, the thighs, doesn't it, in the zodiac, the, the, <laughs> yes. the, the body, the, uh, the assignment of different zodiac signs to the human body. We, it mm. rules the thighs, the, the powerful muscles that drive the legs. Yeah. Yep. Gets right. us moving, allows us to take that action moving forward we couldn't move forward if we couldn't move our, our legs yeah and that mm. what you said earlier ashley about always moving forward and always thinking mm-hmm. what's next and trying yeah. not to look back too much uh so it's interesting how these ideas kind of combine mm-hmm. Definitely. that's a good point that's a good core thing like looking forward as opposed to looking back mm-hmm. the um, arrow only goes one way right <laughs> Yeah, versus other one, other signs like Scorpion, Capricorn that are more backwards looking or or, or sometimes focused uh, on the past, maybe not exclusively, but but certainly more so. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. or even so, like I feel like they are a little more present. Even um, could be past or present, whereas Sagittarius is looking into the future with their arrow. They're looking forward, like looking forward, future. Mm, I and like that. Possibilities, anything is possible in the future, right? <laughs> and that is the epitome of Sagittarius: is anything is possible. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. All right. So I'm trying to think if we have any good chart examples that are related to any of that that we put there of like forward-thinking people. The only one that comes to immediate mind is just Einstein, as somebody I've been looking at their biography, and I know Ashley, you mentioned him. Uh, because he has cancer rising and he had the moon in Sagittarius in the sixth whole sign house. And while he's often people often focus on him as a as a Pisces, he has a sun in Pisces in the ninth whole sign house with the midheaven, which is is true and is a major part of his being able to to think outside of the box. I think there was also a major element there with with Sagittarius as well in terms of the forward thinkingness and sort of being ahead of his time in some ways. Mm-hmm. And he obviously carries strong Jupiter energy with like having his sun and moon in signs that are ruled by Jupiter. Mm. Um, so that's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. I was wondering whether Walt Disney might be a good example of like a someone who's looking to the future and innovating as well with his his career in animation being very um, 
you know, looking looking ahead and trying to push push the boundaries of what you can do with that 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 art that form of art. Like for example, with um, the first you know the first animated film with with sound, and then mm-hmm. the first feature length animated film. And he was always thinking, well, what what else can I do with this medium? Or um, uh, Fantasia. You know, th- these are all sort of very like big ideas, big projects. Um, Creative. Yeah. Um, so he's pushing yeah. the field forward. And for the audio listeners, it looks like we may have a time chart. So if this is correct, he had Virgo rising and he had the sun conjunct Uranus in Sagittarius in the fourth whole sign house or the third quadrant house because the IC is there at 24 degrees. So and, that's, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say that to me speaks as like him bringing all of those qualities that Rob just talked about, bringing it like home and personal and like making it almost relatable in a way and it, i mean disney speaks to everybody i feel like i mean any i feel like everyone's seen a disney movie or you know that's been a part of their life somehow yes yeah. and the, well one always that's interesting is like a lot of what disney did was took because the fourth house is like our family but also like ancestry and mm-hmm. the past and the things that you inherit from the past and from your family and and what he took is he, he took a lot of old fairy tales and a lot of old like cultural stories and stuff that had been passed down for a very long time and then sort of reinterpreted those in a modern context through those those animated fil- films mm, yeah that's a really good point and you can look at these stories in a way as like a sort of mythology too mm. i guess and i would relate that to sagittarius is it's like symbolism and you know storytelling i feel like storytelling is also a good sagittarius word it's like wanting to share ideas and share these things and like you said with the fourth house being kind of the past it's bringing history forward and making it creative a creative way to share it with people and it's like fun and innocent and it's disney it's a cartoon but these are like real past stories that are maybe a little difficult (laughs) to really look at but he makes it palpable and shareable he's a great storyteller and i would say pioneer in that industry yeah and the other big picture thing is also building those huge things like disney world and disneyland Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um you know and some of those were also very like forward thinking but also you know huge in terms of scale and like thinking big picture and long term rather than than something like small or more isolated Mm-hmm. Yeah, Disney that's a really good point. Disney World, Disneyland. <laughs> I think people would criticize him for being so optimistic and having these big ideas that they thought it wouldn't work out. People called Snow White and the Seven Dwarves Disney's folly when it first came out because they thought it was just a massive waste of, of money and, and energy and that it wouldn't be successful. Um, but um, he believed in his dreams. He believed that this, this would work. There's a, a funny story about him apparently being very bad at at business and not really being very successful initially until he brought his brother in and the brother took care of the business side of things while this you know walt focused on you know his creativity and i think that's a thing that often comes up with sagittarius is like a mm-hmm. disregard for what's going on around you sort of everyday mundane things while you're focusing on your big dreams and your big plans um, mm-hmm. And sometimes Sagittarius needs someone around them, like perhaps someone with some Virgo or Capricorn placements to, to help them um, uh, to actually achieve what they want to achieve. 
um, because they're all about the ideas, but then actually making it into a reality is sometimes a bit more hard. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like that's where the corrective function of Capricorn comes back into is like allowing that structure and the things that need to be taken care of um, so that you can, so that the Sag can have fun and be optimistic and pursue these crazy wild dreams. Um, and then Capricorn can take care of the responsibilities. <laughs> <laughs> we need that, right. like the admin support or like the, the accountant or something, yes. you know. Like, um, Dad, you can do this, right? <laughs> <laughs> this, um, this just reminded me of this anecdote that Disneyland had actually like a disastrous opening and like first day. And I just did a really quick search and came up with this article where it says 10 things that went disastrously wrong in Disneyland's opening day. And it had this funny line at the beginning where it says Disneyland is commonly known as the happiest place on earth. <laughs> I think that's really funny for like a Sagittarius, like Disney's Walt Disney's like sun and Uranus in the fourth house and just like creating a place known as the happiest place on earth. <laughs> but it says, but when that park opened in 1955, it didn't live up to its now ubiquitous nickname. In fact, Disney employees who survived the day referred to it as black Sunday. Um, <laughs> So it's just f funny in terms of that whole, like, you know, having a big picture and going for it and launching it. But then sometimes they can stumble early on because it's, it's not always like perfectly like planned or like thought out ahead of time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I actually had a, a great little anecdote I wanted to tell or like a story I wanted to tell on this that talks about this, this issue of Sagittarius, like focusing on the big picture and missing the, the <laughs> details and what's in front of them, which is an old, mm -hmm old um story that comes up in aesop's fables but it's also present in i think the earliest uh telling of it is in a dialogue of plato i think it's called the theaetetus um i'm probably massacring that greek word um in the dialogue um they're talking about the difference between philosophers and you know ordinary people and plato says uses it as an example the story of the philosopher Thales or Thales, um, who was one of the earliest Greek philosophers on record. There's a story of him walking through uh, the field at night and gazing up at the stars and like wondering at the stars and wondering how they work and like just, you know, inspired and full of awe at the mystery of the heavens. And then he trips and falls into a well. And um, there's a uh, like a, a field hand nearby, a, a, a female, she comes up and she helps this guy out of the, out of the well and she scolds him, you know, and she says, oh, Tailies, you're always looking up at the heavens and wondering at what's going on in the heavens, but you don't even know what's happening at your feet. And I think that is just a great, like, Sagittarius anecdote. I think that fits really well with the Sagittarius archetype where um, our minds are off Looking, contemplating big ideas and the beauty and wonder of things, but we often miss what's happening around us and things that are actually really important for our safety and well-being sometimes as well. Mm -hmm. And totally. I feel like that reminds me of that there is like this deep within good and bad, like within Sagittarius. Like there's this positive, great side to Sagittarius, but there is a balance needed because there is a dark side to Sagittarius I think you know they're coming from the Scorpio um, and like you said I mean falling into the well like if you're only focused on these good things and not paying attention to the bad then you know you're gonna 
be disappointed when things don't go your way. Um, and I do think of uh, like Jupiter is kind of getting your heads head lost in the clouds a little bit. And um, you do, you know, like it's important for Sagittarius to stay grounded and reminded of reality and not just always looking to the heavens, looking, you know, what does this mean? It's like, well, maybe the answer is right here. <laughs> right. There's a, that's funny, that story, Rob, because there's like a later adaptation of that in something called the Alexander Romance, which is like this series of stories that were like uh, fanciful stories in the, in the Roman Empire about Alexander the Great. And one of them, um, it had to do, it was like the same setup, except it was like a young child, Alexander the Great, who was being taught by an astrologer. And the astrologer was off like watching the stars one day and just looking at the sky and, and walking and talking and waxing very f philosophical and things but then he like fell into a hole and like hurt himself and <laughs> alexander like says something like negative about like maybe you should pay more attention to where you're walking astrologer or something like that so there's like a funny astrology version of that story as well yeah i've heard that it came up in like attacks on astrologers in the 17th century like it became a popular like way to mock astrologers for like <laughs> mm -hmm. being um like aloof and like dis disconnected from reality um so yeah it is sort of it's got a funny pertinence to to you know our the name of our podcast i suppose <laughs> yeah um well, for sure. i was just gonna say what what something you said ashley about the the dark side of sag it's worth talking about that because in my in my personal life um i know a great many sagittarius's um they seem to gather around me um but a lot of them have um um actually been through great periods of like sadness and depression in their lives um um it's something i've noticed i i think part of that can be that the the optimism and the um the that sort of childlike wonder and and sort of that openness and trusting quality of sagittarius can be really badly hurt and um you know if, if they experience like a major setback or if they experience cruelty towards them or hatred towards them or if they're like bullied or victimized or those kinds of experiences, um, it can be really difficult for a Sagittarius to actually recover from that because they lose their optimism in that mm -hmm. moment and they lose their their joy, that that sort of, you know, joie de vie. And um and sometimes digging yourselves out of that hole, you know, is is really difficult. Um so there's a vulnerability to Sagittarius because they are so focused on the positive that mm -hmm. if that gets if, if that's robbed, if that's robbed from them, um then it's very difficult for them to recover from it. Yeah, that's really important. And and I, I've noticed that as well, just something uh, Sagittarius's can struggle with uh, versus, let's say, Capricorns or people with heavy Saturn placements is they can feel like their fire is being like squelched if uh, the Saturn-influenced person is more uh, pessimistic or something, it can it can feel stifling because the Sagittarius almost like needs to have that hope and optimism in order to drive them forward. And when that's um, when somebody's like throwing water on that fire a little bit too much, it can feel like their their flame is is starting to to suffer or starting to struggle as a result. Yeah, and that makes me think of not necessarily like making this like a negative side to Sag. But it could be detrimental, I guess. Um, I mean, going back to the bow and arrow, you know, optimism, always moving forward. We love to have goals. We do like to achieve. We like to 
always have something to be aiming toward. We always, you know, we're hunting something. We always want to be hunting for something. And once we achieve what we've been hunting or what we've been shooting for, then we lose a little bit of ourselves because we don't have a goal anymore. We don't have that thing to chase anymore. So I've noticed that with myself. I have so many like things that I'm interested in because if I achieve one of them, then I'm just stagnant at that point. And I, you know, I feel like we always need something new to set our minds to. And that might be worth balancing is not being too overly optimistic that you're forgetting about all these other things in your life and other goals. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, the other thing that can be tricky sometimes with that type of optimism is that sometimes you get into almost like magical thinking, which sometimes works out for those people that the optimism actually carries it through and it has this weird reinforcing like loop effect of like because the person is so optimistic and thinks they can't accomplish things, they try to accomplish more and are sometimes more successful as a result of that or or have uh, luck. They just happen to be like lucky as a, as a trait to some extent and more successful in accomplishing some things than other people. And um, sometimes they can get in the mindset of like manifest that everything's being manifested through their optimism, like with like the secret or something like that. And then sometimes the shadow side of that can be not understanding that not everybody else is that lucky or that there are people that like fall into hard times and it's not necessarily their fault. So that sometimes that can become like almost like victim blaming in a way by assuming that if everybody was just as like optimistic or thought and, and tried to manifest things that it would work out the same for everybody and, and not really getting it when that's not equally true for every person. Yeah, definitely. And that also reminds me too that um like it is difficult for Sagittarians, I think, sometimes to see other people's views um because they're so set in their way of thinking and the tools that they're equipped with that, you know, I feel like we can kind of have that God complex or superiority complex where it's like, well, I'm right and what you're doing is wrong. And I don't know why you're not just doing it the way that I'm doing it, because works out for me and I'm lucky and um and I I just feel like that's something that we really need to keep in mind and not judge and criticize other people um because our side of the truth is valid but there are many sides of truth not just the sad side and I think that's kind of where Gemini actually um does this a bit better I guess they are the twins um, so they're naturally inclined to seeing two sides or seeing another side or having that duality where they're like, okay, there is another opinion here. Whereas Sagittarius is a little, being opposite is a little different. And they're like, well, my truth is right. And I, you know, struggle seeing other people's sides sometimes. Mm. There is a judgmental quality to Sagittarius, I think. Like I'm reminded of the way that in the medieval um, astrology, they would assign jupiter to the, the figure of the judge you know in mm. uh or like the the person who has that position of authority um and so they you know sagittarius often has that feeling of that i am the i am the arbiter of the truth i am the the judge and i have the authority to like say what's right and wrong so there's a almost like a like in, in, a, in a good way it can create kind of like a noble spirit in someone but on the downside it can create like kind of an arrogant Mm -hmm. way of thinking about things where you just think that you've 
got it all figured out. You know, I've thought about this and I know that it's right because I feel it deeply and it, this is something that inspires me and fills me with mm -hmm. this feeling of like truth. Uh, so your perspective can't be right because that will take away that feeling from me. Um, mm -hmm. um, uh, and I think, yeah, it's a, another sort of shadow side, I suppose, of Sagittarius is this need to be right and um, this need to appear authoritative. Um, mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that Sagittarius fears a lot is um, um, being shown to be wrong or being made to look foolish or, or you know, silly, um, even though we're very good at making ourselves look that way. <laughs> <laughs> but only um, if we make ourselves look silly. No yeah, one else. <laughs> if, if we're, yeah, if we're like, if we're allowed to mock ourselves, yeah. but no one, no one else is allowed to mock us. Um, <laughs> there's a sort of a, like an, um, yeah, I don't know how to put it, like an aloof quality and like a kind of a, like a proud or um, um, like dignified, like sort of feeling to Sagittarius. They have like a bit of dignity, like pride in themselves. And mm -hmm. one way to really make a Sagittarius angry and bring out that fire is to mock them or insult them or like just publicly humiliate them. That is something that Sagittarius just absolutely cannot stand. And that's when you'll see like some of the anger and like that sort of that divine fury, if you like, the Sagittarius um, trait comes through. One of the phrase that I'm thinking of now that I think, as both of you are saying this, that I think it would be a perfect phrase for Sagittarius is uh, the passion of a convert. Have you ever heard of this? I looked at the mm. definition on Wiktionary and it says, one, it says the extreme enthusiasm shown by a person who has recently taken to a new task or a new set of beliefs. Um, so it gives an example. Jim showed the passion of a convert when he became a vegan, or it's like an observation that sometimes people that grow up in like a certain religious setting, let's say with a certain religion, are kind of used to it and they they understand the pros and cons and everything, and have sometimes like a moderate approach to things. But sometimes when somebody converts to a new religion or they find a new belief system or a new approach or even a new just way of doing things. They they're so enthusiastic about it that they want to um, spread and spread it around and tell everybody about it and sort of become an evangelist for that thing. And I think sometimes that can be a Sagittarius trade. It's one of the ones that Camille wrote down here: the evangelist, the missionary, um, the know-it-all, truthiness, <laughs> yeah. and sometimes even going over into being dogmatic or even rigid in some instances. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just in my personal life, I have been that person several times. In like, okay. I can think of at least two examples. One was when I like was both kind of related when I got into astrology, and then, and I was particularly interested in traditional astrology, and I became something of like a like a traditional astrology chauvinist, I guess. Like I was mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, you do modern astrology. That's that's okay for you, but I'm interested in like the real astrology, quote unquote. And I was like really <laughs> like awful about that for a few years. Um, mm. And it was interesting that that coincided as well with my resurging interest in religion. I must have had some big ninth house activation or something at this time. Um, but uh, I got into astrology as well as sort of rediscovering my faith um, and started going back to church and things like this. And I had that, I wasn't like as insufferable about my religion as I was about astrology, actually. But I, I did have that kind of passion of the convert when it came to, um, yeah, like, like re-embracing my, my Christian, you know, tradition. Um, and yeah, it was taking things probably a bit too far in terms of like, 
like in Lent, I just went like crazy with like self-denial and things like that. Like I just took it to an extreme to in a way that was like really noticeable to people around me. They were like, whoa, <laughs> you know, like where is this coming from? I've mellowed out a lot since then, but it's funny to sort of reflect that I, I have been that person. Um, and it's a tendency that I, I have to sort of like moderate. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can really. <laughs> Have you had a specific instance of that, Ashley, or like a phase of something like that? I mean, your example also, the traditional versus modern, like, oh, the way that I study this is right. And really, again, that's where it goes back into there's more than one side to the truth. Um, there's a lot of different languages in the world, which language, Sagittarius, and mm. you could be saying the same thing, but it's in a different language. And it doesn't mean that it's wrong. You're still conveying the same kind of ideas. Um, so, yeah, I've definitely had that struggle. Um, this is, there's, I don't know if this is related, but I have this in my notes. Um, my dad is a Sagittarius also. And I remember when I was a kid, he would just so seriously tell me all the time that he knows everything. That mm. he, literally knows everything in the world and nice. i could ask him anything and he could tell it to me like i know everything ashley and i'm just like how how are you a book how do you know everything and as i grow older i'm like you don't know everything but just mm -hmm. having that like i'm right and i know everything and i'm the master you can come to me if you need to learn anything mm -hmm. and um i think too being mutable it does kind of work in our favor that like we give that oh we know everything and you can come to us with something and we'll figure out that answer for you. We're, we're broadened enough that we're willing to research and learn it, but we're going to mm -hmm. lie ahead of time and say, we already know it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have a Sagittarius father as well, Ashley, yeah. and my condolences, that story triggered some, like some memories in me that, about my own father who like, like, yeah, he did have definitely, I mean, you know, he's still alive. He has that, he has that know-it-all quality to him. I mean, in some level, it's justified because he spends a lot of time reading very widely about all sorts of different topics. He's very mm -hmm. intellectual. And I think that's another trait in Sagittarius is like, we love to learn. It's the eternal student archetype. Mm -hmm. But a few different signs have this quality of Sagittarius as well. Mm -hmm. This like passion for learning, often like always learning and, and preferring to be in that learning space, preferring to be in that kind of academic detached place of books and documentary films and um absorbing yes. knowledge like i read wikipedia for fun like that's the kind of person <laughs> that i am you know um and my dad's kind of similar in that way and and then it's it's like humbling when when you actually don't know the answer to something and you don't actually have like all the answers you don't actually have all the knowledge um yeah a lot of sagittarius i know are like very intelligent people and like absorb a huge amount of information but um, actually conveying that to other people can be challenging mm -hmm. and um, um, uh, it doesn't necessarily always help them with their lives as well. Like they're very smart, but not that doesn't necessarily translate into like, you know, like material success in this, in this lifetime. Mm. Or like, yeah, knowing a lot about a, a bunch of different things, sort of like traveling or wandering around collecting, you know, little bit, bits of knowledge everywhere, mm -hmm. but that not always necessarily being like, practical knowledge that's like immediately useful per se yeah it's like that intellectual magpie that just collects lots of shiny things and puts it in the nest um and it's almost like right. sometimes it's like a what do you call it like a disso dissociation 
trait. Like you're you're doing this because it's more of it's 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 easier than dealing with real life. It's more fun to be in the library than to actually sit with your problems and the mistakes you've made and like sit and actually kind of like reflect on, you know, what's actually happened to you. It, you can just retreat to the to the study or, you know, put on a documentary and, and be transported away from things. Yeah. Or go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, um, that kind of goes back to the whole centaur thing too, you know, being half humanity, half animal. Um, we can almost, you know, easily get our heads in the clouds or out of reality and just learning and bookworms or documentary worms. And um, but I feel like we are able to be grounded if we're aware of it because we do have that animal side to us um, where we can come back to reality and then we can switch back and forth between, you know, learning and doing physical things. And um, another thing I just wanted to touch on too, um, just, you know, we love learning. We love always reading books and knowing everything. Um, which Gemini also does. You said a lot of other signs are like this too, but I think the difference with Sagittarius and what gives us kind of like that superiority feeling is we like to be the teacher. We're mm. not just like learning for our own selves, but it's to be the conveyor of these ideas. Like we want to preach these things to people. We want to like implement these rather than just like oh it's just for fun and like it is kind of just for fun but it's also to help others and be able to say that we know these things and when we don't actually know something it can be exciting like it is something new um and i feel like that's the the fuel that we're always looking for like like gasoline keeps the fire roaring and if you run out of gasoline how are you going to keep going so it's kind of like that every once in a while you find something that you don't know that's the fuel that's more gasoline and i feel like that is beneficial to us to absolutely. not know it all <laughs> yeah absolutely always needing or wanting new horizons to explore or something mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. um that also gives me the image of like um the, the the scholar or the academic that knows like 10 different languages but doesn't know how to change like a tire on a car or something yes. like that like it's it's like <laughs> philosophical or um academic or religious or other like big picture learning of, of big picture things in the universe you know like like einstein coming up with like the theory of relativity or or what have you but it not being necessarily always just like you know small term like practical type knowledge like how to change mm -hmm. a tire or something like that yeah, yeah. like can you actually apply this to your life or is it just an idea mm -hmm. right yeah yeah but the absent-minded professor, the absent-minded professor, is definitely mm -hmm. like a uh, Sagittarius archetype yes. for sure. Yeah, totally. Um, and that actually just reminded me of um, David Pingree, who's a famous classic scholar and scholar on the history of science and history of astrology. And I don't have a birth time for him, but I do know that he had Venus and Mercury in the sign of Sagittarius, as well as. Um, Jupiter and Mars and Neptune and the South Node and the sign of Virgo. And he was just like this, um, he was a polyglot, which means that he just had this ability with languages and he knew like 20 different languages. And like he knew every modern European language. He could read like French and Spanish and German and everything else. But then he also knew all of these ancient languages, like ancient Greek and Arabic and 
um, Akkadian and Latin and um, Middle Persian and, and everything else. So in his, he also knew Sanskrit. So in his PhD dissertation, he did um, this book called the Yavana Jataka, which was like an early Sanskrit text on astrology, where he argued in his dissertation that this text was originally a Greek astrological text that had been translated into Sanskrit. And so for his PhD dissertation, he like made a critical edition of reconstructing the original text of the Avanajataka in Sanskrit. He translated that in English, but then also he wrote a second volume that was like commentary on that where he went through and he quoted every ancient Western author as well as Indian author that he could in their original language um, in order to demonstrate how the doctrines in these texts were similar or were connected. But if you pick up the second volume and read his commentary, he'll be writing in English and then he'll quote a medieval astrologer in Arabic and it'll it'll he'll write it out in Arabic. So it's like you have to know Arabic to read that passage. And then he'll quote another author in Latin or he'll quote another author in Sanskrit or he just keeps going through different languages because he knows like all of these languages um, due to that that big picture sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing, like what an impressive, impressive man. But then, yeah, one wonders, like, could he change a tire on his car and things like, like <laughs> but that? But that's it. I mean, it's, it's an a, amazing talent. And mm-hmm. a lot of Sagittarius, if you sit down and talk with them, they will divulge that they have this vast learning on, on something um, that, that they're passionate about. Um, uh, but then, yeah, there is that la- maybe you wonder, like, is there a practical application to this? Like, apart from being fascinating in an academic context, like, you know, the every the lay person is not going to be interested in these esoteric things, even though they're like absolutely fascinating to people in that field, and like a great gift to people in that field. Um, it makes me yeah. think of the the Library of Alexandria originally, how it was actually supposed to be sort of like a scholarly institute that was funded by the state, and there would be these scholars that would go and live there and just like work in the library and do this amazing scholarship. But then um, they would have their basic necessities like kind of paid for where, you know, they would go and, and be able to eat food, you know, for free and then just like go back to work on their scholarly stuff so that the, the, they didn't have to deal with the, the basic like necessities of life and could focus on these scholarly pursuits most of the time. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. reminds me too of like uh, certain religions and monks. For example, you know, they totally leave civilization and reality in a way um, to focus on these higher things and to work within rather than worrying about like food and how am I going to change this tire? They don't, they don't even have to worry about that. Um, so I think that definitely ties in with Sag as well. Mm. Um, but it is For important sure. to have a balance. Yeah, for sure. And, and things can become unbalanced. It reminded me like we've talked about religion and like the passion of the convert, but that also comes up for like politics. And sometimes you'll see people that have heavy Sagittarius placements get into a new political thing and then become very like uh, adamant or very much of an advocate about that, sometimes to, to an extreme or sometimes like going over the top. Yes. Yes. It doesn't matter. It's not necessarily always like philosophical things or spiritual mm-hmm. things. It can also be politics or um sometimes people get really interested in science it's mm-hmm. another sagittarius quality but it's always something that's kind of high-minded i guess is maybe that's the right word like it's a lofty kind of topic 
to politics is, while it does have a very practical and real effect on our lives, there's also kind of like a theoretical, like idealistic sort of side to politics. We're talking about like big ideas, like what's the right way to live or what's the right way to govern, you know, these are, these are sort of big picture things. Um, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I've only started to understand in the past few years how intertwined like belief and religion and politics are because I always we always think about our politics so much as like these well thought out like logical things of I have this political belief because of X deduction or or whatever um, this is like practically speaking why I think this is right or what have you but oftentimes we don't realize that our our beliefs are a little bit less rational sometimes and the reason why we go in certain directions um, is a little bit more belief based than we might think in terms of our politics um, and is is a bit more similar in that way to sometimes like religious things than we might think yeah and bringing up uh politics because we've talked a lot about like religion and you know being the priest or the priestess that kind of thing um, but I feel like Sagittarius is especially drawn to topics that are touchy subjects to the majority of people, politics, religion, science, all of that stuff. And I think that's a fire quality. We like causing disruption a little bit. Um, we don't want it to be so comfortable, except for ourselves, because we're right. <laughs> we want to be comfortable. But um, yeah. That's something I've noticed. We just love controversial ish issues. Yeah, topics that like upset people at a dinner party yeah. is like Sagittarius's favorite like, we'll thing. We'll bring it up. <laughs> yeah, like, let's talk about this really tough thing that happened in mm -hmm. history that's like awful, and everyone's around. Everyone around you is like, "Oh my god, we're just trying to have a nice conversation." <laughs> yeah, here she goes right. talking about the occult again, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, let me tell uh -huh. you. And I brought my satanic Bible today, or you know, like just very. <laughs> Weird things. Here's the, well, there's a point there that's actually really, that's funny, <laughs> the edgy sort of thing of, yeah, the Sagittarius could be the edgy. person that's, that's uh, yeah, edgy. Like the, um, I remember I did an episode earlier this year with a couple of um, astrology skeptics, and I think the title was like, How to Talk About Astrology to Non-Astrologers or to Skeptics of Astrology. And, and one of the guys did mention like that he was in the Church of Satan, but what he meant by that was he believed in like science and he was an atheist and other things like that. And he didn't actually believe in the Christian idea of Satan, mm -hmm. but he it was it was just kind of a thing that he said to be edgy to yes. to troll sort of Christians in a way. And <laughs> I definitely relate to that. Sometimes like you just want to be the the badass or you wanna like just make people uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know. That's, so, that's, so, that's so funny because that's so similar to Aries, where Aries wants to be a badass, but like driving, <laughs> driving fast and like, yeah. you know, br breaking speed the speed racing. limit rules. But Sagittarius wants to be edgy by like breaking the like moral, you know, philosophical mm -hmm. rules or, or something Structures like that. Structures. And, and we're right. right next to Capricorn. So it's like, I mean, they deal with structures and we like kind of disrupting them. And yeah. Yeah, I like that. Well, one of the politics people that comes to mind uh, that Camille mentioned was John Stewart, who was the the host of the Daily Show on Comedy Central for many years, and was sort of took like fell into this role where he was just a comedian, but he was a comedian that had some interest in politics, and then he ended up being the second host of the Daily Show and ended up 
somehow in the US becoming this like political figure basically because he would do commentary and um what's the word when you're like kind of like making fun of something satire of satire, yeah. satire of politicians which like during for example like the bush administration he would sometimes just point out the hypocrisy in in like a funny context of some of the stuff that they would say and um yeah so th that's a really good example because it's somebody blending both politics as well as humor and, and mm -hmm. comedy and we don't have a birth time for him unfortunately there wasn't a somebody asked him Patrick Watson and I actually wrote a blog called the Political Astrology Blog years ago, and and there was this clip once at the beginning of the Daily Show where somebody in the audience asked him his birth time, and he, <laughs> he was just like, "I have no idea," and he kind of blew off the comment. But we always that was our that was our last shot at it. Hopefully, we'll have somebody else will find it out someday. But for, <laughs> I appreciate whoever tried. <laughs> yeah, kudos to whoever like gave it a shot. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for the audio listeners, John Stewart has the sun. Mercury and possibly the moon in Sagittarius. The moon here in this noon chart is at 22. So it's a pretty good chance that he was born just after a new moon in Sagittarius, basically. Wow. That's a lot of Sag. Yeah. And you can <laughs> see that in his personality and that sort of combination of like humor, but also mm -hmm. like he, de he definitely had a, his beliefs about politics. Like he was pretty firm, like about where he landed. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of his work on that show was using humor to convey and sort of spread if you like his 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 perspective on the politics of the day yeah and it was a hugely influential show i mean i i, I watched it and i was in australia that shows you the reach of the show like it's all about american politics but just because of the humor <laughs> and mm -hmm. also just the fact that america has that sort of hegemony that what happens over there affects us too over here so we follow your we follow politics in america as well so um i enjoyed watching the show when he was hosting um, for many years, actually, yeah, yeah, and it's interesting. He's come back recently, and he's like doing a show again uh, for like Apple or something like that, which is kind of interesting because uh, I noticed he has Saturn in Aquarius, so that means he's mm. been completing his second Saturn return over the course of the past three years since 2020, as he's come back to sort of hosting shows like that again after quitting the Daily Show back in like 20. 16, 2015, 2016, or something like that, um, which reminds me of actually Conan O'Brien, who I'd noted recently has done the same thing where he completed, he's completed his Saturn return over the past few years and he stopped doing hosting like a, a comedy show on television every night. And now he's switched to doing like a podcast and has become super successful in that after. A thirty-year cycle, where during his first Saturn return, that was when he first became the host of a, a late show. Fascinating. Yeah, and I do just want to kind of touch on the comedy thing again, um, mm -hmm. because I feel like that is a very powerful tool that we use um, to like convey our touchy ideas and beliefs. Because you look at almost any comedy that's out there, some of it that's on TV today, I'm like, this is. How is this on TV? How is this okay to be said right now? But because it's a comedy skit, it's acceptable. And Sag uses that as a tool um, to remain that, like, you know, friendly. We like to get along with people. We do like being with a, you know, in a community and very social. So we don't want to be like, you know, disrupting too much, but we do feel the need to get our 
opinions out there. And I feel like a lot of comedians do so by using comedy. Mm. It's less, yeah. less harsh. That's a good point that it's like, it's become like a means for, for conveying certain things, or sometimes people use it for more political or like activist takes on things through comedy. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a real value just in and of itself of comedy in and of itself. And one of the interesting things recently over the past few years is so many of the comedians ha- seem to all, almost all agree on this fundamental thing, the stand-up comedians where they want to have the freedom to talk about anything or to attempt to make jokes about anything. Mm-hmm. And some of them are getting kind of like pushing back or getting kind of nervous about some of the um, constraints about saying, no, you can't say that, or that topic is off limits or what have you. Um, you know, whether rightly or wrongly, I'm not really making a value judgment myself. It's just something I've been observing over the past several years because I watch a lot of different comedy podcasts and it's interesting seeing that many of them seem to, or a large majority seem to share this, this view that they should have the freedom to just try anything and do anything and go anywhere. And that comedy itself is like, that that's one of its core requirements almost. Um, and they, they all start getting very almost sort of like militant or pushing back when that starts getting curtailed or like limited in some ways. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's like, you know, comes back to the nomadic traveler that we associate with too. It's like, we don't want restriction, whether it be like physical or mental or opinion based, like we don't want restrictions in any sense. So comedy is one of those things that like we feel we can free roam and it's acceptable yeah sagittarius loves freedom and it's interesting that both the jupiter ruled signs are mutable signs and so there's that you know that openness and that flexibility is sort of built in the jupiter likes to be in a space where it's free to do what it wants it doesn't like to be locked in it doesn't like to be restricted um and because jupiter you know, one of the significations is comedy. You can see that coming through. Like, a comedy that is restrained is like, yeah, like, I, yeah, to your point, Chris, like, I'm not making a value judgment here, but there is something like about the, the like, the comedy has to have like a, um, like a, I don't know, like the reins taken off or something like that to be authentic or honest in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, like, you can use, you can use comedy, like we said, for political ends, you can to, and to project your point of view, um, and, and that can go either way. Like in terms of like spreading a point of view that's like affirming, and um, and like uplifting and like helpful or like you know positive. You can also use it to spread, you know, um, um, you know something that contrasts with that, like something that is like um, damning or mocking or deriding someone. Um, so it can go either way. Um, there's no it's not necessarily like always a good thing Mm -hmm. um but just to thinking about that how freedom and comedy kind of are intertwined in a way there's a there's a relationship there definitely yeah that makes a lot of sense to me and it really does go back to both that the optimism of jupiter and the joviality and um that jokes and laughter and other things like that are so important but also freedom as a core component so i think Mm -hmm. Definitely, Sagittarius as like the the stand up comedian in some ways is a really good fit. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Where else did I want to go with that? Um, 
I did want to mention really quickly before we move on from that area that, that you'd mentioned like the scientist and the uh, um, the sometimes how that can become dogmatic. And one of the funny examples of that that uh, Camille put in the outline for celebrity charts was Bill Nye, mm. um, who we don't have a birth time for again, but he has probably Mercury in Sagittarius. It's at zero degrees, 49 minutes of Sagittarius, the sun, the north node, and Venus all in Sagittarius. And he's, you know, a lot of people grew up watching him because he did like a children's program called Bill Nye the Science Guy, where he was like teaching kids science and getting them interested in science and things like that, which was really good and really cool. Um, he also, though more recently, is also kind of like skeptical about like non scientific subjects. So astrology has been like a frequent uh, sort of source of criticism or, or thing that he's focused on rejecting in kind of more. Um, adamant or or sort of like dogmatic terms in some instances. Mm, yeah. yeah, Sagittarius is either like very inspired. I, oft, often the case is that they're either really into religion and spirituality and esoteric topics, or they're sort of really dogmatically against them. Um, they mm. take a firm or strong stance one way or the other. I, I, I seem to find, I don't find too many Sagittariuses that are like have no strong feelings about these topics. <laughs> they usually have a, have a position. And they're going to, um, to you know, um, have something to say about it. Um, but it's to your point. I, I think there is a component of belief, and we. Ha I want to be careful here because, like, there are some aspects of science that are, you know, grounded in just like um, um, experimentation, and and it's sort of hard to dispute. You know, when you know um, things like electricity are things that are just that real and they're out there in the world, and you can't sort of. It's not a matter of belief whether they exist or not. Right. However, there is a there is a component to science or is it sort of adjacent to science which is like sort of the philosophy of science or the you know how we interpret what science means for us and there we can get into territory where you can it can be a dogmatism like this this is for, this is the term scientism which is this belief that science is the only you, you know useful means for ascertaining truth and that all other you know approaches to um to you know contemplating the world and sort of deriving meaning from it um are um, you know, not helpful. Science is the only path in this kind of philosophy, um, and some people just think some people think that that's um, just a, a fact. Whereas, like you know, um, um, it, it, there are other ways of ascertaining and getting meaning from the world. Like, for example, like you know, poetry or um, art or um, um, spirituality and things like that. Like, there's uh, so there's a there's a way that. Um, becoming too interested in science, or not maybe too interested is the wrong term, but like turning science from uh, an objective study of, of fact into like a belief system, there you can get into that territory where you're, it's like a, it's a matter of faith. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's where sometimes that Sagittarius inspiration can, you know, you can have like a very inspired atheist, for example, you know, a very like passionate atheist or a very passionate skeptic. Um, um, that's, um, in some ways, you could argue like a, a belief system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure, and because um, it just has to do with like making meaning out of the world, and everybody trying to understand the big picture issue and understand like what is real and what's actually happening in our lives that gives meaning to it. Um, and I think sometimes people that go that route of like scientist scientism um, as a belief system sometimes forget that like scientific conclusions are provisional. And it's like, to the best of our knowledge, this is how the world works currently, but um, sometimes forget that 
that's not like the end of the story or that we're not going to find out other things that might revise that at some point in the future because it's sometimes tempting to like once to to feel like you've found the truth about something and that goes back to the politics thing that goes back to religion that goes back to science is everyone's is the search for the truth and the search for meaning and um sometimes once you feel like you found the truth it's almost like a religious experience like whatever that truth is where you've seen everything you've seen the big picture you've seen how the universe works and suddenly like you know what you're doing here and what the meaning is and everything else and you want to share that with other people and you want to want to impart that onto other people so that they can have that same positive experience that that you've felt mm. um i think is is often where that comes from mm. all right and then just in passing as i was that was making me pull up some other charts of others that i happen to notice that have sagittarius placements so neil degrasse tyson for example who's you know famous science advocate and also can sometimes be a little dogmatic about things has saturn in sagittarius and then his um predecessor really interestingly actually carl sagan um had the moon in at 21 degrees of sagittarius um in a in a night chart he was born just after sunset so it's actually interesting in terms of the degrees because Neil deGrasse Tyson has his moon, has his Saturn at 20 degrees of Sagittarius, and he um, famously did like a second version of the Cosmos uh, TV series just in the past decade, which was supposed to be like a follow up or, or almost like a sequel to the series that Carl Sagan did that was so famous on science education in like the 1980s. He's like almost trying to reground those ideals maybe a little bit with being saturn or yeah for sure yeah have, definitely. have an authoritative take and like mm -hmm. sort of yeah. yeah really make it concrete mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. shout out to our sponsor for this episode which is the ephemeris.co birth chart necklace so this is an astrological pendant or necklace that you can wear around your neck that shows a custom depiction of your actual birth chart with your ascendant and all of the planetary placements in it. So all you have to do is go to their website, which is ephemeris.co, and enter in your birth information, and it will uh, print a custom-made necklace with your birth chart on it. So you can customize it by choosing the zodiac or the house system that you prefer, and you can even put a custom engraving uh, on the back of the necklace. So all pieces are unique and are handmade in the United States, and it has this nice modern look that is gender neutral and looks good with any outfit. So they've sold over 17,000 orders, so it's quickly becoming a pretty popular little piece in the astrological community, and you can get a 10% discount with the promo code ASTROLOGYPODCAST. So find out more information about it at ephemeris.co. So... I want to transition into the second part of this episode where we start really doing more to contrast uh, Sagittarius with some of the other signs of the zodiac. And we've done a little bit of that already with, you know, Scorpio and Capricorn, but I want to extend that to some of the other signs. I know, Ashley, that you've started to get into some of the contrast with Gemini and with Mercury, which is the sign that's opposite to Sagittarius. And I think that might be a good starting point. So Sagittarius, as we said, is ruled by Jupiter. It's mutable, fire, and masculine or diurnal. And that's opposite to Gemini, which is ruled by Mercury. 
um, is an air sign, which is in the Stoic elements is cold rather than hot, and that's why it's opposite to Sagittarius. Um, it's also a mutable sign, and it's also masculine or diurnal. So one of the big contrasts between these two planets is that we between these two signs is we have Mercury in Gemini, which is like the smallest planet, versus Jupiter ruling Sagittarius, which is the largest planet. And you get this real contrast of small things versus big things, or like small picture things like like conversation or talking versus big picture things in Sagittarius, like as we've been talking about, like belief, truth, religion, politics, and other things like that. So um, Camille did a list of comparisons between these two that might be a good thing to look at and contrast as a starting point. So here's the contrast. She says, Gemini is that which is familiar versus Sagittarius, which is that which is foreign. Gemini is facts, while Sagittarius is faith. Gemini is thoughts versus Sagittarius is beliefs. Gemini is small talk versus Sag, which is big talk. Gemini is knowledge from books versus Sagittarius knowledge from experience. Gemini is the here and now, Sag is to infinity and beyond. Gemini is probabilities, Sag is possibilities. Gemini is nervousness versus Sag is more easygoing. Gemini is curiosity versus Sag is conviction. Uh, concrete versus abstract. And finally, Gemini is microscopic versus Sagittarius, which is telescopic. Yeah, a lot of really interesting contrasts there. I think um, they're, they're, they're kind of two sides of a, of a coin. I suppose that's why they're opposite in the zodiac, right? There's a, mm -hmm. a useful kind of like, um, there's a similarity between them, but then there's like some really interesting differences that make them work well together, but then also quite contrasting in other ways. I like mm -hmm. to think of Mercury as like the, the significator of um, the student and Jupiter as the significator of the teacher or like the guru figure. And so mm -hmm. they can have, Gemini and Sagittarius can have this interesting relationship where Gemini's curiosity is um, satisfied by Sagittarius's like just vast reading and learning that they've done and, that, and, and their enthusiasm to teach that. It's almost like a perfect pairing in a way because um, Gemini is so interested in like what people have to say and Sagittarius has a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> right. I sometimes think about like Gemini is has a reputation as a very chatty sign and is very good at like talking, but sometimes it can be like talking for the sake of talking mm. versus Sagittarius. Um, I sometimes think about more about like thinking, like talking versus thinking. And something Gemini brings to the table that might be useful for Sagittarius is even though even if you know a lot of things with Sagittarius or you're very learned in a number of different areas or you've studied something very deeply, um, are you able to communicate that effectively to other people uh, you know, through words or through writing or what have you? Because those are not necessarily one and the same thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. The exile or the fall, sorry, the detriment of Mercury is Sagittarius. So um, sometimes Sagittarius does have a have a difficult time of actually conveying all these profound truths, quote unquote, that they've <laughs> that they've found. <laughs> how to actually communicate that to another person in a way that's compelling and 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 holds their interest is is sometimes a challenge because Sag wants to talk about 
big things, controversial topics sometimes, like you mentioned, Ashley, and 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 big, you know, big brain stuff. <laughs> um, uh, Mercury might want to talk more about like what what they did on the weekend, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I'm sorry, we wanted to talk at the same time, but um, yeah, I, I feel ahead. like they do um, complete each other in a way, and you know, opposites are so similar that they do have qualities that mesh so well and almost uh can complete what that other sign can't so like pieces of information with gemini the little pieces mixed with the big picture creates a connection and it almost makes it brings it back to reality um and then you think about the quality of air and fire and how air fuels fire so it's yes. like we need each other uh-huh. <laughs> um, so i do like the way that they kind of complete each other um and they do hold this like never-ending youth quality it's kind of like the peter pan <laughs> kind of vibe i know that might go more with uh gemini but i feel like um they're both very young at heart signs um mm. playful optimistic friendly social um and just love interacting for the sake of learning mm. yeah for sure there's a yeah. trouble with Gemini, prefer, like you said, Chris, preferring to talk rather than to listen. And I think that can sometimes drive Sagittarius a little bit crazy because mm. they really have a lot to say. And they're like, I really, really want to like tell you about this thing that's inspiring me or like that I learned the other day that's blowing my mind. And Gemini just won't pass the microphone. <laughs> yeah. And Gemini is also better about small talk, like making mm. small talk, which is an mm. art in and of itself. And like some people are really good at small talk, like having those short, quick interactions and ha and making it positive and like effective or something like that. Whereas other people struggle with like a, a short conversation that they don't aren't, aren't able to like say what they want to say or get everything in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like we talked about with Sag kind of being the, the one who likes to bring controversial issues to the table it's like these big ideas and it's like why are you bringing that to thanksgiving dinner um and then gemini is <laughs> like i'm just gonna chit chat on these little things that aren't that big and it's not really gonna upset people but it probably still will but not quite to the extent of like what sag is going to be talking about yeah i actually yeah. like literally went on twitter one day when i was going to a wedding i didn't know a lot of people there and asked like for help like with small talk <laughs> it's like kind of crowdsourced <laughs> small talk ideas because my preference is to go straight into like whatever is my passion and i want to talk about my passion with people um but i recognize that unless i'm around like friends people i know well i can't really do that <laughs> so i have to have something else to say to them and so got a lot of helpful advice because i do I definitely do struggle with small talk. Um, so, yeah, and I do tend to make t bend the conversation towards f <laughs> philosophy, like, whenever I can. Um, so that is, like, absolutely true, at least from my, from my experience, yeah. Yeah. I can well, say the same. <laughs> um, especially Mercury in Sagittarius sometimes has a difficulty knowing when to cut it off in terms of, like, talking too long or too much. And it makes me think of a famous... Mercury and Sagittarius that I, I know, which is Robert Hand, and mm. he has Cancer rising with the Sun and Mercury and uh, Venus all in Sagittarius in the sixth whole sign house. And um, for years, he was just famous for his lectures. He was famous on the astrology lecture circuit, especially at the Northwest Astrology Conference that would happen around the end of May every year for like 30 years, starting in 1984. And he 
became kind of a centerpiece of that conference because he would always give this one last like rousing lecture on the at the very end of the very last day. And it was always this like very long and like sort of circuitous, but ultimately inspiring lecture that that some people eventually came to call like the refer to it casually as like the Sunday sermon because it was like he was talking about <laughs> astrology, but he was integrating these like broader metaphysical and philosophical concepts, even when he was talking about something like the history. And sometimes he would start off and he famously, even if you listen to some of the past early podcast episodes of the Astrology Podcast where I had Rob on a few times, like he will just go on these digressions and you have like nowhere, you have no idea where he's going or how long <laughs> this is going to go on for or if it's going to come back. But eventually he'll, it'll always like curve back to the topic and like tie everything in perfectly. Even though you 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 were a little nervous for a little bit, or at least I was nervous as the host, like if it was going to come back around to the point, um, but he would always pull it off. And I often think of that when I think of Mercury and Sagittarius type people. Mm -hmm. Digressions are like most of my conversations are just a series of digressions sort of jammed together and glued together. Um, mm. And hopefully, I get back to where I started <laughs> at some point. Right. Yep, I can't tell you how many of my friends are like, or I'll be in a conversation and I'm like, blah, 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 this, this, this. Wait, what was I talking about? And then they have to remind me like, oh, you were talking about this. I'm like, okay, so actually the point of that whole thing was this, but now you know all this. So yeah, it, it's, <laughs> I really as well, and I don't know how, but it's kind of like a lightning bolt strikes, Zeus, <laughs> lightning mm. bolt strikes. And it reminds me like, wait, you were actually focused on something or you're supposed to be talking about one thing <laughs> so get back to it mm -hmm. right. yeah and maybe to circle back to where we <laughs> where we started from <laughs> which yeah. is gemini um is like um um we can learn a lot from gemini's about how to like converse well and how to be engaging and how to hold um hold court and to sort of you know um yeah uh, uh just the, the sort of speaking skills and the charisma of a Gemini, because I think mm -hmm. Sagittarius sometimes, yeah, has a hard time like leaving the the study or the library or the monastery or wherever we might you know be located and actually coming down to the the town and um conveying what we've been doing to people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, I'm looking through examples to see if there's any chart examples that would be good for this contrast with Gemini right now, but I'm not necessarily seeing any that I super want to mention. Um, okay, so maybe that's good with the contrast with Gemini aside from just small things versus big things is one of the mm. big contrasts. Um, and curiosity versus conviction I thought was another good contrast just mm -hmm. in terms of the things that we've talked about here a, a little bit. Um, even though there's there's a curiosity and there's like a roaming quality to both, um, it seems like Mercury likes to keep things a little bit more surface level in terms mm. of interest and curiosity and, um, uh, yeah, conversation versus the the larger thing or between like like formulating beliefs and and almost being a little ironically or, or unexpectedly a little bit more fixed in a way with Sagittarius. Yeah. Yeah. I'm reminded of a good example of, of Gemini is um, uh, a fellow astrology podcaster, Adam Summer, and his um, um, way of 
conversing with people. He brings people on his podcast that he's interested in hearing from, and he has this kind of curious, let's hear from you approach. He, I think he invites people on based on whether he likes their work. He wants to just have a <laughs> chat with them, you know, and, mm. um, and, uh, and you can see his um, curiosity coming through. He likes to sort of like take little pieces from different things. And he's always like, oh, that's interesting that you say that. That's interesting that you say that. But he doesn't have, he doesn't necessarily come down with like a really firm stance. Mm. He's quite happy to kind of hear from people and enjoy that interchange. Um, but um, whereas, whereas a Sagittarius person will almost be like mounting a pulpit, you know, to say like, mm -hmm. right, here is, here is the, the, what I believe is true and I'm going to try and make you believe it too. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas Gemini is more comfortable to just like hear alternative positions and alternative um, ways of thinking but won't necessarily like adopt one and like hold firm to it in the way that Sagittarius will. Yeah. And that's mm. a good quality. I think that Sag can learn from Gemini for sure is just remember that it doesn't have to be so serious. It doesn't have to be so deep. I know we're the sign after Scorpio, but we can let go of the, <laughs> the deep stuff sometimes. And um, it, it is important to, you know, how Gemini communicates because they almost get so much more, um, information from people that they can learn more about those people and in turn themselves whereas Sagittarius is like almost putting themselves on other people like you're like me and it's like well let's learn about each of you and see how we intertwine it's mm, a good point for, for sure and I'm trying to remember I don't remember if Adam's chart is uh public it probably i think it is but it just suffice to say as a contrast between some gemini placements and some sagittarius placements in his just mm, to your to your point it also reminds me i forgot to mention at the beginning like that i have some credentials not as good as you guys in terms of your your chart placements but um i've got some sagittarius with my midheaven and my uranus and venus and neptune there in the sign of sagittarius in the 11th whole sign house and um yeah I, I sometimes think about that about in terms of how the podcast has become this thing where i you know do these episodes with friends and this is part of my my career at this point as both of you are like friends and we're having this talk and this discussion about astrology today and i've been able to like sort of make a whole career out of that with my midheaven in the sign of sagittarius because mm, astrology is kind of like there's a there's a Jupiterian quality to it. I mean, lots of different planets can be associated with astrology, but I think primarily Mercury in the tradition, um, mm. and Uranus more recently. But there's a Jupiterian piece as well, I suppose, in the sense that it's a lofty topic and it's sort of a philosophical topic. And I think you, in your work, kind of, I often, I've noticed that you have, you always bring kind of a philosophical or thoughtful, um, um, but, you know, in, you know, you bring that kind of thoughtful philosophical um, um, perspective to these topics and you're, you're happy to discuss things like you know philosophy, like whether it be stoicism or like whether it be like other ways of thinking about astrology and the history of it and things like that fascinate you. And so it's interesting to see that the Sagittarius on the midheaven. That's sort of what you're known for is sort of conveying this this sort of high lofty topic to people. That's yeah. what I was just gonna say is like you bring these huge ideas that like. I've never comprehended until I've listened to your podcast and then it's just like sparks all these other like, oh, maybe I should learn Sanskrit <laughs> so I can learn all these big things. Yeah. Yeah. And if you go back and listen to like the very first episode of the astrology podcast, what's funny is I had like 
a vision for what I wanted to accomplish, but it was so big. And like, if you look at the actual outline of like what I said I wanted to do with the show, it looked a little bit ridiculous at the time and over the top because I was like, I want to cover the history and the philosophy and the techniques. And we're going to talk about all the different astrological traditions. And we're going to talk about all the signs and planets and and it's mm-hmm. going to cover everything. So there was this kind of like lofty or like overarching vision for it. But then over the past 10 years, sort of I've been able to slowly using maybe the more Saturn part of my chart, like actually accomplish that by just mm-hmm. doing pieces slowly over the course of the past decade. Because mm-hmm. you're definitely accomplishing it. Like you're covering so much ground and not many people could do that, but it takes that Sag energy to bring the heavens to the ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've noticed also one of the ways I do it is by importing some of that. I think having Venus there and having that be my 11th house, I sometimes import people mm-hmm. with Sag placements into my life in different ways. And I think that's helpful, helpful as well to balance out the other Scorpio and like Capricorn parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's. So I think that's good for the contrast with with Gemini and with um, Sagittarius. Unless either of you have anything else, maybe we could move on to talking about the contrast with some of the other signs. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's see. Why don't we looking at the zodiac here? One of them that might be an easy as a transition at this point that's very similar is just looking at the other um, in the same quadruplicity or modality, the other mutable signs and what the similarities and differences are. Because one of the easy ones there is moving on to Virgo, which is the other Mercury ruled sign. Um, but instead of being an air sign like Gemini was, Virgo is an earth sign. So it's a little bit more practical and a little bit more grounded even though it's focused on very small things or sort of like minute details. <clears throat> and I think this is the where that contrast that I mentioned earlier of like, you know, of Sagittarius knowing a lot of phil- philosophical or big picture things. But I think if any sign knew like how to change a tire or something like that, that had like practical knowledge of smaller things, it would be Virgo uh, as um, being part of the basic contrast. But also ways in which both of them, even though there's a there's a tension there because there's differences, they're very different. Um, they can in some time, in some ways, be complementary. Yes, it's that that Mercury Jupiter relationship comes through again. It's interesting how the the, the so Jupiter and Mercury, the they're all um, sorry, their domiciles are all mutable signs, and the and they oppose each other, um, and so there's this. They, there's a sort of intimate relationship between Mercury and Jupiter in the, the setup of the, the you know, domicile rulership scheme that's not really so present with some of the other uh, planets, perhaps. Um, they sort of have this pairing quality, but they also like a contrasting quality too. Uh, yeah, I, I think- Yeah, well, and it's actually, it's like with the other contrast, it's a, it's a starker or harder to reconcile contrast mm. with some of the other rulerships. Like it's, you know, the two luminaries- have cancer and leo and and represent like light basically or reflecting light versus saturn which is opposite to that which represents darkness Mm -hmm. um so there's much more of a strong contrast there or almost like negation in a way and similarly with the two venus and mars signs like with aries being ruled by mars opposite to venus being ruled by libra or taurus ruled by venus opposite to mars ruled by scorpio 
you know, those are much more um, contrasting sort of opposite combative sort of energies that are a little yes. bit harder to reconcile. But then when you get to the the Mercury and Jupiter signs, even though, because all of those, for example, are benefics opposite malefics or light-giving planets opposite to a, a malefic or what have you, but when you get to um, Mercury and Jupiter, you've got a benefic that's opposite to a little bit more neutral of a planet. And while you can see some of their contrasts, I think they're a little bit more reconcilable sometimes, a little bit more easily at least than some of the other contrasts. Yeah, that's a, that, thank you for saying that better but, than I could, Chris. Um, uh, that's where I was really going for is that there's a complementary quality between them that isn't necessarily present with the other pairings of the op- opposed signs. Yeah, because mm-hmm. there's something about you know, there's a there's a conflict, I suppose, between what Venus wants to do and what Mars wants to do, and there's a sort of a conflict between what Saturn wants to do and what the luminaries want to do. But with Mercury and Jupiter, they sort of have a shared kind of project in a way. Like Mercury wants to learn, and Sag wants to teach, you know, and Jupiter wants to teach. So um, there is something there that where they kind of fulfill each other in a way that, whereas the other opposed pairings are more like butting heads, I guess. But that being said, there is a there is differences. You know, there are there is a potential conflict. Like when I think about Virgo and Sagittarius, I think about the way that Sagittarius exaggerates things and um, and just says inac- sometimes says a lot of inaccurate things and makes broad generalizations and verbal gaffes. Um, and that will just drive a Virgo crazy to sit there and listen to a Sagittarius like embellishing a story or exaggerating what happened. Um, um, where they're like, no, that's not actually what happened. That's that's <laughs> inaccurate. Like you're you're t- you're not telling the truth here. Um, Those are really good keywords: em- embellishment or exaggeration mm. for Sag. And similarly with Sag, like that Sagittarius will get frustrated with Virgo's insistence on every little thing being correct, and you know they're missing the point. Like it it doesn't matter that I use the wrong word. Right. Yeah. Like the vibe like, of what I'm saying is right. You know? <laughs> yeah. When I said like the misuse of the word literally or something like, no, I didn't literally go to the moon. I just meant I was very excited. And Virgo's really like, but I mean. you said you literally went to the moon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I do like how you mentioned um, Mercury being a more comfortable sign with all of the other planet or a more comfortable planet with the others. Um because I feel like it almost lends a more mutable quality to the already mutable signs. Um, so it makes it less harsh of a contrast sometimes. Um, mm. There's more flexibility. Yeah, there's more like Virgo too. You think of being kind of in service to people. Um, and they're even though they may be bothered by like, hey, why did you say that? I was there <laughs> and that's not mm-hmm. how it went down. They may be more flexible and being like, okay, Sag, like, I'll just let you have that, <laughs> you know? Um, so that's interesting. I'd like to ponder that a little bit more, but I like that you pointed that out because Mercury will make it a little bit more adaptable to not be being so different, even though there are squares and oppositions with these signs. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think of, um, Going back to like David Pingree's chart, because he had that Mercury in Sagittarius with Venus, but it was in a mutual reception with Jupiter in Virgo. And so there's this positive flowing exchange between those two signs. And I think that's where you get the best of both worlds, where he had this, you know, very broad base of learning about many different cultures and 
histories and philosophies and types of astrology, but then he, he put it to a practical use by um, he would go back and make critical editions of different texts where he'd gather up like all of the manuscripts of this one ancient astrology text and he would compare all of them and then write out and recreate what he thought the original manuscript of the original text was. And he did this with like not just the Avanajataka in Sanskrit, but he also did that with Vedius Valens. Like he's the one that did the critical edition of Vedius Valens that we drew on for the translation that I just published that Mark Riley translated that I published a few months ago. Um, he also translated like 10 other critical editions, or, or he didn't translate them because he did it in the original language. So if you pick up that text of Valens, it's not a translation, it's the original text of Valens, or at least what Pingree thought it was in Greek. But there's a very practical component to that, which is the Virgo side of things. Mm. Mm-hmm. Virgo yeah. gives something that Sagittarius needs in some ways. And, and a chart like Pingree is where there's both. It's like a superpower because you've got that big picture perspective, but then you can also actually do the detailed, careful work so that your big ideas can actually be backed up with, look, at, look, at, I've done all the, mm-hmm. I've, here's my receipts, you know? Yeah. Um, and so without, without that mercurial part, without that sort of Virgo part, Sagittarius's ideas can be shot down, can, can be like holes can be knocked in them and, you know, the, the big lofty you know, like spiritual or religious, whatever it might be, you know, take that you have um, gets criticized and, and then you're left in like in the ashes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think um, Sagittarius might sometimes feel a little tension there because Virgo is probably much more critical and much more mm. uh, has an ability to see and focus on the, the details and the cracks and something and the mistakes because it, it focuses on that microscopic part of things. Um, mm-hmm. versus Sagittarius wanting to, to look at the big picture. And I think there might be tension there between the two of them um, as a result of that, but uh, it's not you know, in- irreconcilable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I almost feel like Virgo um, like brings practicality to Sagittarians' ideas, whereas like Gemini and Sag kind of make it like fun, or you know, it may not be like super like, oh, let's make something out of this like they just want to talk about it they just want to be in that moment together whereas virgo being earth too wants to ground it they want to like is there a purpose for this if you know you have all these big ideas then how can we like use that in reality or how can you know i improve this medical book with this like mythological or ancient knowledge or whatever it may be but they i feel like virgo will help make it like more grounded in reality yeah yeah sagittarius needs help to make thing to actually make a practical difference Mm -hmm. and those yeah that's where the virgo can come in and be really really helpful yeah and in turn sagittarius probably helps virgo to lighten up a little bit and yeah (laughs) not always focus on the the straight and narrow and the you know not everything has to be practical all the time or useful or grounded Mm -hmm. yeah that's it add a bit of levity and um and Sagittarius helps Virgo to see the forest for the trees as well, so they can help Virgo like zoom out a little bit and not worry so much. Don't stress the details so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. For sure. For sure. All right. That might be good contrasting that one. The only mutable sign then, which will run into very similar themes we haven't contrasted yet, is um, Pisces, mm. which in 
traditional astrology, traditionally in ancient astrology, is also ruled by Jupiter. Um, it's also a mutable sign, and it's a feminine or nocturnal sign like Virgo, but uh, the difference is that this is a water sign. So water being the primary difference in the contrast, but it's the other Jupiter-ruled sign. So we've got major similarities between Sagittarius and Pisces, but the difference is, is fire versus water. I have some thoughts so, on that, but I wonder, Ashley, did you want to perhaps go first? I've got no. some things to say, but... You go ahead. Cool, I'll, I'll dive in. I'm just conscious of my Aries rising sometimes. I just want to... <laughs> no, you're good. Just to start before the gun's even fired. Um, my Taurus rising will gladly follow. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, I think that's, yeah, the fiery side of um, Jupiter comes out in Sagittarius, but there's this other side to Jupiter that comes through in Pisces. Um, there's a more like contemplative side. There's a more like meditative approach with Pisces as opposed to like the more active and like, like I, I think about like the difference between um, like, you know, sitting still and contemplating and meditating as like a spiritual practice like Jupiter versus, you know, um, something more like active, like standing up and giving a, giving a, um, a sermon or, or like leading prayers and things like that might be more of a Sagittarius angle. Um, Pisces has that um, watery side, which is so valuable and, and, and it allows them to tap, tap into the emotional and felt sensitive space. So they can, um, they have more of a capacity to be like a healer or like a, like a helper, whereas Sagittarius is more like a fighter in some ways. Um, mm -hmm. um, so Sagittarius wants to take the banner up and go charging off and like spread the word, you know, like with fire and sword. <laughs> but um, Pisces is, is, has, has that sort of, yeah, more caring component that Jupiter wants to help people. You know, I think helpfulness is an important Jupiter like mm -hmm. keyword, but we see two different sides to, to that in these two signs where uh, Sagittarius wants to help by like teaching and by sort of conveying and like, and also just, yeah, fighting for truth is a way of helping. Um, I think Pisces has uh, an access to more of like an inner truth and an ability to kind of sit with people, sit with their feelings mm -hmm. and share space with them in a way that Sagittarius isn't quite so capable of. That was sort of the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah, yeah. I can definitely see that too, where like Pisces is more of, um, they're willing to maybe work on a deeper level with people and like understanding and working through this knowledge and using it to like help their inner souls and selves and working with them whereas sad just kind of like okay here you go now here's the information you know how to use it right here you go and pisces is like let me nurture you while teaching this in a way um mm -hmm. yeah the more nurturing side of jupiter yes i yeah. think that's a really good point like yeah, it's a water sign, so it has that like fertility and that sort of like, let me like help you to grow. Let me like, mm -hmm. it's more of a kinder teacher in a way, like a more gentle teacher, whereas Sagittarius yeah. might be the more like tough, strict teacher. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm thinking like, what, what do I have to say? Um, yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's an inclusive and accepting quality to Pisces that's, that's absent in Sagittarius. 
There's empathy. I think yes. empathy is one yes. of the big keywords here for Pisces. Um, I'm thinking of keywords like empathy, softer, um, and it's sort of like the difference where, where Sagittarius would be like the political organizer versus Pisces would is the person who becomes like a vegetarian or a vegan through a love of animals and like empathy for animals or something mm -hmm. like that and not wanting to harm them. So almost like withholding doing something or not doing something, withholding action of like, you know, eating another human being through or another sentient being through through just sheer empathy and um yeah, that that's more of a Pisces thing to me. Yeah. And I feel like Sag is almost a little bit more like into intellectualizing these things, whereas Pisces is making it a lot more emotionally driven. So they have these like passions in a way. Um and they are supportive, but yeah, exactly like you said, like Sag is more pushing it on people. Um and Pisces is maybe gonna like sit with it, take it a little deeper. You think water, it you know, is grounded. It like goes lower than any other element, and then fire rises, and it's just maybe focused on its own rising. Whereas water is trying to nourish everything with this information. Mm -hmm. Fire burns, you know, it hurts yeah. people, and I think the last thing Pisces wants to do is like. Is to hurt. They want the yeah. That's sort of counter True. to the goal. Mm -hmm. Water um, heals. Fire hurts. Yeah, yeah. And in that way, Pisces and, and water, you know, conforms and adapts to what's around it, and and mm -hmm. can be more um, willing to go along with what somebody else is saying, or willing to adapt, be adaptable to somebody. Mm -hmm. Versus, I think Sagittarius, which can be a little bit more wanting to do its own thing and, and more independent and will sometimes like even though optimistic in some ways will get into conflict with people if there are differences of like a belief or opinion mm -hmm. yeah it's more of a righteousness with yeah. with jupiter oh sorry with sagittarius that, that fiery mm. you know like that we're, we're full of like vim and vigor and we want to like yeah, and we're, we're we're prepared to fight because like the fire fire signs are like have that combative quality. Um, they'll get Sagittarius will get into arguments and things like that, you know. Um, whereas I think Pisces wants to like, you know, like hold hold space for different different views and have and understand where people are coming from more. Whereas mm -hmm. Sagittarius has perhaps more of that quality of like, no, I know that I'm right about this. Um, yeah, Sag is more ego driven. I feel like yes. Yes. Pisces is like this is for everybody's healing, not just for your ego. <laughs> There's a brashness and a boldness with fire signs, and and so you get a brash and bold version of Jupiter in Sagittarius, <laughs> whereas yeah. you get you get a more empathetic and more like sensitive version of Jupiter in Pisces. Mm. Yeah, um, and Pisces also in its keywords is just being very conflict averse. Yes. I've noticed is a major Pisces thing, and that, that is a contrast a bit, I think, with Sagittarius. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, similarities, though, is being both mutable signs, I think both can have a, a reputation for being like a little bit flaky, or because of so that, that digressive quality of both as mutable signs, um, maybe not you know, sticking to one thing, but kind of being a little bit all over the place or having multiple things going or maybe have good having good intentions um but then not following through as well 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, both signs are prone to sort of taking on too many too many things. Um and uh and then the follow through is the difficult part. Um yeah, absolutely. And that the the positive side to the mutability is this both signs I think go on journeys in life like not mm-hmm. I don't like necessarily, just to digress, I don't necessarily like this idea that Sagittarius is always traveling because I feel like that is just the, that's sort of a symptom of the alphabetic zodiac mm. where you relate Sagittarius to the ninth house. Because I know lo- right. plenty of Sagittariuses that have never left the country, let alone their, their bedroom. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think there is something to this idea of like, um, like a spiritual journey or like an inner journey or, um, um, you know, moving from one belief or faith to another or like going like a path of learning a path of discovery and both signs share that that like moving from one thing to another um on a quest for like um on a sort of a faith-based quest or like a belief-based quest yeah Mm -hmm. and i feel like in a way that makes them both creative also i i feel like i see a lot of really artistic pisces of course and then i also know a lot of artists that are sagittarian um, so I don't know if that just also makes them creative. It is like a higher minded kind of thing and, um, all these things that they're learning, uh, they can use to create. Yeah. Creativity is an important Jupiter trait. And I think mm-hmm. in some of the medieval natal astrology books I've got, they use Jupiter when it comes to the topic of children. So they'll look at Jupiter as like the, one of the universal significators for this topic of children. So in addition to the fifth house, you'd also look at someone's Jupiter placement to see where children are going to come in into someone's life. There's a generative quality to Jupiter. Maybe that's perhaps linked to, and this is probably getting a bit esoteric, but, you know, Jupiter is the the god of the sky, you know, and the rain falls from the sky and fertilizes. So there's like a a nurturing quality to Mm -hmm. Jupiter in both, but but perhaps more so in, in Pisces. We get more of that like rain god perspective with uh, the Pisces version of Jupiter. Mm. I do think there's a little something to being a diurnal or masculine sign, more of like an externalization of the traveling or at least exploratory exploratory quality in Sagittarius, whether it's like explorations of of the mind or to different cultures or 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 you know yes. learning different politics or philosophies or what have you, whereas there's more of an internal exploration quality with Pisces of like the person that goes on like a LSD trip or something like that and like finds their spirit animal or like something like that or um which can sometimes have a negative quality in terms of like escapism being a, a Pisces sort of quality that sometimes comes up through um different forms of that or or, or different pitfalls that come along with that um, but that, but that's an interesting like internal versus externalization of of a similar impulse of sort of like exploration exploration. Yeah, mm-hmm. the journey in one. versus the journey out. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good point, Chris. Yeah, and I keep maybe- thinking about that. Oh, go ahead. I'll just say it really quickly. I keep thinking about that over and over again. The further into the series I go, of just conceptualizing um, the diurnal signs. Uh, in the masculine signs as being like the sun and that the sun like radiates light out um, versus uh, the moon and the nocturnal signs or the feminine signs and the notion of of the light um, coming in and reflecting like sort of like inwards in an internalization of the the quality or the impulse. 
Mm-hmm. What were you going to yeah. say? I was just going to say, um, I know you guys mentioned not really loving the association of Sagittarius with like physical travel. And I agree because I'm a Sag that I really don't love to physically travel a whole lot. Um, but I feel like that's maybe why Sagittarius is represented by more like physical travels is just because it is a more external sign whereas Mm -hmm. pisces is the internal and maybe pisces internal journey inspires them to eventually take an external travel journey whereas opposite with sag like you go to another country learn these other languages or learn about their cultures and then maybe that will teach them or make them want to learn more internally so it's like starting from internal going external and starting external going internal I like that. Yeah, these binary qualities kind of have, there's like a relationship there and like a flow happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's helpful to think about this as like a the directionality to like moving in versus moving out and like the journey outwards from within the journey, you know, mm-hmm. the, both ways. I think that's a really fascinating way to think about it. And they're all mutable. So, you know, the mutability of going internal and external, they're mm-hmm. able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the last points that Camille makes is both sharing common a desire to sincerely help others. And I think that's a really good point about Sagittarius mm-hmm. and Pisces, that there can be this underlying component for the most part that most share in wanting to wanting to help people. Yeah. Mm. For sure. Yes. Yes. Pisces wants to it sort of explores that that how can I help people um um, in a felt space, in a space of like, oh, like in emotional depth in our psychology, our our feelings, our sensitivities, our, um, uh, you know, that that inner world. And Sagittarius has more of a like, how can I help people grapple with these big questions in their lives and more of an exterior, externalized kind of approach. They both are concerned with other people. They're both concerned with sharing what they've learned but they have a different mode or different sort of way of going about that process. Mm. Yeah. And I almost feel like all the mutable signs are pretty concerned with helping people. Um, I mean, of course, Virgo, I feel like is associated naturally to helping people, but Gemini also, um, they, they all just do it in a different way. And it's all, it is genuinely wanting to help people or have people connect whether it be to others or to themselves Mm. all right well i think that's enough that's enough talking about the water signs why don't we focus (laughs) now now that we've completed talking about the um, mutable signs the the four mutable signs of gemini sagittarius virgo and pisces we're going to talk about the other set of signs that sagittarius shares in common or has a close connection with through um, a similarity is the other fire signs which are Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. So here's yes. the diagram. Why don't we, we've talked about this a little bit already, but why don't we start with Aries and contrast it with Sagittarius. So Aries is ruled by Mars. It's also a fire sign, but it's cardinal because it comes at the beginning of the seasons, and it's also a masculine or diurnal sign. So um, in terms of that, one of the contrasts that um one of the contrasts that Camille came up with was that Aries is like a firework, you know, it shoots off 
uh, quickly and sort of explodes fast and there's there's a blaze of sort of glory but then it's over relatively quickly as a cardinal sign um and then she says that leo is like a fireplace mm. and sagittarius is like a wildfire yes i had the exact same analogy written <laughs> down yeah like mm. cardinal aries is like the spark that starts the fire or like a fireworks a good analogy as well and then then the fireplace leo is where the fire is held and contained and maintained and and made sure home. that that fire doesn't go out yeah mm. and there's a there's a warming kind of like let's all gather around the fire quality but mutable fire is spreading you know and it's being shared and in a positive way that could be you know lighting torches and passing them out to the community but it could also be like a raging bushfire or like a forest fire that just is out of control um mm -hmm. Um, and that's a really great way to like start thinking about the other fire signs for sure. Yeah. And I have something kind of similar to that in my notes. Um, so the firework fireplace, wildfire are kind of like these different forms of fires. Um, but my way of looking at it is like the different progressions of a single fire. Um, so mm -hmm. I think of, like you said, the Aries is kind of like the spark. You're igniting it. You're lighting the fire. The Leo is the roaring fire, literally. <laughs> Lion, it's roaring fire, it's blazing. Love that. And then I see Sag as kind of like the smoldering, burning embers afterward. It's like a little bit cooler fire, but it burns deep. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and those coals, you know, like there's still warmth there, but there's mm -hmm. sort of like a spread out quality to them, you know, um, raking over the coals and things like that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm. And and fire, I mean, is uh, it, it's a creation kind of thing. Like it destroys, but it also allows for creation or new things to begin. Yes, we forge so, things in the fire. We make yes. tools and things. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And and Leo has that has that sort of like this is the hearth that we can gather around. Mm -hmm. But um, maybe mutable Sagittarius is like taking that fire and like sharing it out and like let's. Let's move from maintaining it to to giving it out to people and sort of passing it around. So passing that inspiration, like Aries, is the spark of inspiration. Leo is like the, the storehouse of it, and Sagittarius is the person who's going to take that out and like give it to the community and and teach it and share it. Mm -hmm. um, I like that. Yeah, I like that, and and pass it on. That's really good. Yeah. So, so in, initiate, maintain, and then like pass on or, or transfer in some way. Yeah, yeah. transference. Because I think the mutable signs have that transferring or transforming quality at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. There's yep. a shifting, shifting between. Um, uh, that's sort of like the nature of that modality is to pass between two states. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's at the end of the season. So you're going from the fixed quality of the middle of the season to starting to transition into the next one and, and what you learned from that last season that you're going to carry forward into the next one yeah like every day i light incense in my room but what i do is i get my cigarette lighter and i light the candle and i think the cigarette lighter is the aries the candle is leo and then i light my incense from the candle and that sort of like taking the fire and spreading it to some other thing and then and also i suppose incense being something it's often used in prayer and meditation seems yeah, seems and fitting you know yeah. And you can light as many incense as you want from that one flame yeah. that yes. already stands. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. The candle holds it, mm-hmm. and then we're then we're going to take that and like share it out. Yeah. 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 Um, so other um, similarities. So like I said earlier, Aries likes to go very fast. Um, mm-hmm. Sagittarius also, I think, fast is is a pretty good keyword for Sagittarius to some extent. Mm. Um, maybe not as impulsive. I don't. I don't think uh, Sag is quite as impulsive as Aries, but there still can be kind of like a shoot from the hip quality to both of them to a certain extent. Yes. Yes. Jupiter. That optimism comes in. So you know, all the fire signs um, have that energetic quality. Aries is cardinal, so it's the most energetic and the most quick. Leo, the least of them, because it's fixed. So there's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit slower in pace, but it still has that, that fire inside it. Um, Sagittarius is not, is not fixed at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, um, it, 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 you can see the quickness and the, that energy you know, more clearly in, in Sagittarius than you can in Leo. Yeah. Um, and they both have a, another thing that I think is shared with Aries is this sort of courageous or brave. I mean, all the fire signs have it actually, this bra- bravery. Um, um, like yeah. Aries is not afraid to explore and new territory and dive in the things. And Sagittarius is not afraid of exploring like new ideas or like being like a thought leader or something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. A similar kind of boldness. That's um, a great point. Like courage, brave also independent i think all three of the fire signs share that independent that quality of independence or valuing independence um aries has that in that they're willing to be the first one into the breach or the first one to like run out ahead of everybody else and and has this courageousness partially as a result of that um sometimes bordering on a little bit of uh I don't know what the downside of that is, but like foolhardiness or recklessness. Yeah. Recklessness. Yeah, that's really good for Aries. Um, Leo has also an independent streak, but it's through that Leo just wants to shine and have its own internal qualities radiate from itself and has this internal sense of just like um, feeling solid in and of, it, of itself. And, and, feeling good about itself to the point of sometimes being like egotistical or narcissistic as the the downside of that but the other side of that that's more positive is just um being comfortable being who you are and um radiating or showing off your own light or your own internal qualities in a way that it draws other people to you or makes other people want to ground gravitate towards you or or um you know, situate themselves around you as sort of like the center of the solar system in some way, like the sun does with the planets. Um, mm-hmm. So Sagittarius similarly finally has also some similarities in terms of a, an independent quality. Yeah. And they all have like their own leadership quality too, because like Aries starts everything, right? That's a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Leo is always known as the leader, right? Because they're like that steady leader almost. And then Sagittarius is a leader in the sense that like, I'm going to change your life with all these ideas. I'm going to kind of spark inspiration in a way. So they do all have like leadership qualities. It's a really good point. Yeah. There's something about the fire, the fire element that that lends itself well to, to being in a leadership role. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but you, that's a really great analogy. Yeah, Mars is sort of like the leading at, leading from the front, you know, if you like, like the mm-hmm. general in the army who's actually in the front ranks 
and like I'm right here with you. I'm I'm right at the front of the battle, and you can see here I am. Here's my banner, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Leo, the the king or the queen, like that that sort of um, uh, yeah, the centrality of Leo. Um, the hearth is in the center of the house. We gather around the hearth, and the planets get you know orbit around the sun. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so really good stuff. And yeah, Jupiter is the inspirational leader. Like uh, Winston Churchill is a Sagittarius, and he um, was very well known for inspiring people. And like he was very optimistic during a really dark time for Britain when they were pretty much the only country in the world that was still fighting the Nazis. Um, and it looked pretty bleak. Um, but his speeches and his kind of like optimism comes through to inspire. Um, so there's a leadership quality there. Oh, Chris, yes. you put the chart up for Winston. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So for those listening to the audio version, Winston Churchill had the sun and Venus in Sagittarius. Yeah. And I think um, he has a charismatic quality to him. I mean, I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a massive admirer of Winston Churchill, let me be clear. I just think it's a great example of someone who leads through inspiration and it's like sort of radiating optimism um, that got written through a very like scary period in their history um yeah what other things can we say well, and the optimism mixed with the leadership stuff it's kind of like a cheerleader mm. I feel like fire signs kind of tend toward that archetype too you know mm-hmm. whether it be like a cheerleader or just someone they're there to encourage you in one form or another with yeah. optimism that's it. Yeah. It's infectious quality of like, yeah. you can see that there's always energy in the fire signs and they have different ways of like, of um, communicating that to other people. Aries almost through example, Leo through like this of radiating quality and, and Sagittarius maybe through like a, like a sharing and like a kind of a, mm-hmm. like, um, let me go out into the world and I will take this with me and, and, and give it to you. Yeah. Check out this uh, quote I just found by from Winston Churchill, where, assuming this is correct, he said, an optimist sees an opportunity in every calamity, a pessimist sees a calamity in every opportunity. Mm. Isn't that perfect? <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, that's, that's a very saggy quote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was going to um, think about the differences between the ruling planets, perhaps, Chris, like... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Aries is Mars ruled. This is a malefic planet, um, and has a combative quality to it. While Jupiter, while it can be combative because it's uh, sorry, while Sagittarius can be combative because it's a, a fire sign, um, there's there's a it, because it's ruled by a benefic. It really prefers to reconcile and prefers to like find common ground and prefers to be in a in a space of 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 um of you know, joviality of like, of happiness and pleasantry. Like, I don't think Sagittarius naturally wants to get into a fight. I think the problem is that they just find themselves there because they have a very strong belief in something and then that clashes with someone else's belief. Mm-hmm. So there's like more combative quality with Aries as opposed to um, Sagittarius is a bit more like, yeah, a bit more inclined to, to wanting people to get along, let's say. Um, they want everyone to have a good time at the party. They don't want people fighting. <laughs> But if you disagree with me and like you're really adamant about it, like we're gonna we're gonna have to ha- sort this out. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. will get Marshall if we need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Mars Aries will like challenge you to a race or something like that. Or- mm-hmm. Yeah, Jupiter yeah. might Sagittarius might be a bit more aloof from things like that. Like I don't really I'm not really interested in cars, man. I- <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, 
Yeah. And the other thing that I struck out with like Leo and Sagittarius, they both have like a noble quality to them. The traditional sort of significations of the sun is like the king or the, the, the ruler, the authority figure. And Jupiter sort of related in a way, it sort of signifies nobility and um, people who are like, uh, like aristocrats essentially. So they, they both have like a, like a, a ruling quality or like the, these are the sort of the people at the, the top end of society I mean, like medieval society. Mm -hmm. um, people would think about the nobility as Jupiterian, but the royalty as being solar. So mm -hmm. there's a shared kind of pride. I think Sagittarius, which I mentioned earlier, has like a proud quality to it and like a, it's perhaps straying into arrogance. And that's something that it shares with Leo is that they're very um, um, concerned with being respected. And yeah. um, when they feel disrespected, um, that's when the fire really comes out. Mm -hmm. mm. Yes. Yeah. Maybe just again, that thing, that notion of fire in the ancient conceptualization of the four elements and the order of the cosmos and that notion of fire rising up to the top uh, mm -hmm. of all other compared to all other elements yeah 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 and wanting to be seen like jupiter's a huge planet mm -hmm. and so it may be far away but like we're very aware and you know it's seen and it's then the sun yeah. is the center of the solar system like it is very seen it creates life and so they're they're very seen planets. They want to be seen. They're comfortable in being in the public eye, I guess, in a way. It's a great yeah. point. Yeah. The size of I, Jupiter. Jupiter's the only thing that comes even close to the sun in terms of size mm -hmm. in the in the solar system. Yeah. yeah. And I, I went out last night and the moon was pretty close to Jupiter in the middle of the sky. And it was just like the brightest star in the sky that you can see that just like stands out especially you know in the middle of the night compared to the moon and compared to all of the other stars it's just sort of radiates its its brilliance yeah mm -hmm. and um that shows too that like you can almost see it a little bit better at night right so sagittarius is maybe more comfortable with like dipping from diurnal to nocturnal kind of realms and maybe leo's a little more comfortable with just the diurnal mm -hmm. mm. yeah um so the another thing that comes up that we've talked about a little bit but that comes up with leo and and camille wrote this down but keywords of like expression and authenticity being, being very important to leo and it sharing that in common with sagittarius like we were talking earlier about how um, like comedians, for example, with Sagittarius, that they don't want to be encumbered or like held back. They want to be able to express themselves authentically through comedy um, and to be authentic in that way and not be stifled. And that's also very similar with Leo, where, where self-expression for Leo and being authentic is a very core value, I think, for Leo. Mm -hmm. Yes, they both are interested in truth and honesty and authenticity certainly um i had this sort of sort of a joke thing that sagittarius is honest about everything except ourselves <laughs> there's sort of a self-deception sometimes with sagittarius or we have like a, a self-image that maybe isn't isn't grounded um um but yeah they both both of these signs um very concerned with speaking the truth and and being true to themselves and things like that yeah mm -hmm. I think that that might be good for the triplicity of the fire triplicity and the comparison, comparing the similarities and differences between those three signs. Um, 
So what that leaves us with, I believe, is the aversions at this point. Have we done uh, the sextiles? Um, oh yeah, no, we've I've like skipped the sextiles. <laughs> sextiles aren't important, so we'll. Yeah, very soft aspect. Continuing the ancient tradition of disregarding sex, oh, yeah. of da- downplaying sextiles. Huh. Um, all right, so good point. So Sagittarius is sextile to two signs. Uh, the first sign it's sextile to is Libra, and the second sign it is sextile to is Aquarius. So it finds itself in the middle, essentially, of the two two of the air signs. Um, one of them ruled by the other benefic Venus, which is Libra in a cardinal air masculine slash diurnal sign. And then the other is Aquarius, which traditionally is ruled by Saturn and is a cold fixed air sign, which is also masculine or diurnal. Mm. The sextiles are a great um, aspect for a synastry because of that. I think there's a friendliness to the sextile. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at the, uh, the horoscope, like with the first house being the person, then the third house, um, which is in a sextile to the first, is associated often with like close companions and, fr- and um, um, kindred. Um, and the yep. 11th house is also in a sextile to the first house, and the 11th is, is friends and allies. So there's something yeah. like quite complementary and like close-knit about Aquarius and Libra and Sagittarius. I think they get along well generally, and I know a lot of people who, like couples, who like have a Sagittarius and a Libra or a Sagittarius and an Aquarius, um, including myself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. siblings, siblings and friends, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Libra um, has like a f- few interesting things. Like it's ruled by a benefic planet, similarly to Sagittarius. So they both have this shared interest in um, like fun and pleasure and like bringing joy to people. Um, they want that the sunny side of life. You know, they they want to enjoy things, um, and they want other people to have an enjoyable time as well. Um, the difference there, perhaps, is that um, do you, like. Uh, Sagittarius seeks beauty and inspiration, um, you know, from like, you know, ideas and concepts and things like that. Whereas Libra has more of a sociability, a social side to it. Um, so there's a, a different way that they bring it, bring forth those like that, that enjoyment of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just uh, talking about Libra, I feel like Libra, just like a difference. Um, Libra is a little bit more people pleasing or wants to get along with everybody and don't mm-hmm. really doesn't really want to create any tension. Um, whereas Sag and you know Jupiter just really they don't care if they create a little bit of tension. Like we talked about before, yeah. Sag loves creating a little bit of. Well, let, maybe you should think about that a little bit more. And then Libra is like, oh yeah, I love your idea, even though I don't agree, but I'm not going to say it, you know? <laughs> um, so that's something that I notice. And they do get along really well, but that's a big difference I see. Mm-hmm. I can see Libra cringing when Sagittarius brings up like religion yeah. and politics at the family <laughs> dinner, you know? Right. Yep. Yeah. Like, let's make this peaceful. Mm-hmm. Not, not today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Libra's sure. very good with like social decor. And, yes. and things and being conscious of that and sag will and break Venus. that yeah yeah because yeah, sag is sag just like freedom you know it wants the freedom to just i wanted to say what i want to say you know? yeah, yeah. The, it's the authenticity thing it can't help but be authentic even if it sometimes means like sticking your foot in your mouth mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's a great Sagittarius <laughs> trait, like a keyword almost. Well, not a keyword, but key phrase would be like foot in mouth syndrome. It's definitely right. a Sagittarius problem. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and then I guess we could look at like the symbolism too, um, the scales with Libra and then um, the centaur with Sagittarius. Um, they have balancing qualities in a way. I mean, of course, Libra has the scales of balance, but then Sagittarius is always working on the balance of that animal instinct and that humanity side. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that kind of duality there. Um, forgot yeah. what else i was gonna say no that's a really good point there's a like sagittarius balances like it's sort of <laughs> to get into like medieval psychological terminology but they would sort of talk about someone having an animal soul and then a rational soul you know like the animal soul being like the the part of you that wants to just eat food and have sex and you know yes. like <laughs> primal that stuff yeah primal exactly yeah mm -hmm. and um and sag has that like in spades like they're often like big eaters and like have signs of bad reputation for being quite flirty and like you know being very interested in in sex and in like the opposite you know just meeting people and getting along you know what i mean um yep. but um um there's also that, that and then they get balanced with their intellectual side and their um mm -hmm. interest in like you know high ideas and things so they have to kind of find a balance between the earthy you know like animal stuff and the yeah. sort of higher um um like philosophical um, things as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's an interesting point that both Libra and Sagittarius can have like a flirty quality. Yeah, that's, that's true. A good point. Yes. Definitely. Mm. Very mm. social beings. Right. Yeah. Very so social. I think that's a really good thing that they can be like the social and Sagittarius more like the sort of the life of the party. Mm -hmm. um, whereas uh, Venus or Libra wanting to go around and, and you know, make sure everyone's like doing, having a good time and, and doing well at the party or what have you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. One other Anna, quality. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, Ashley. go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I was just going to say that uh, um, one difference between them is the modality. So Libra is cardinal, so it's more active and more driven. Um, and I, th I've, I think that Libra um, might get frustrated sometimes with Sagittarius spending too much time in like the armchair or in the study and not enough time actually out there getting getting things done and achieving results. Mm. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, yeah, and that'll come up to a certain extent also with the next, the other cardinal sign, which is Capricorn. Mm -hmm. yes. mm -hmm. um, one other thing I just want to say, and then we can move on if you want, um, but I feel like they both have something to do with justice. Yes. Mm. Um, I, I see the scales relating to justice definitely in judges um but i know that sagittarius has had those qualities as well and has been associated in the past with like judging um and maybe in different forms uh sag is their own kind of like moral internal judging and then libra is balancing it for the community i guess mm -hmm. justice yes that's a i'm glad you mentioned that yeah that's something that they both definitely shares a strong sense of justice and what's fair and what's right and there is a mm -hmm. difference in the where they derive <laughs> that from i guess like like you absolutely you're absolutely correct actually sagittarius has that felt sense of justice you know like um or like they it's derive it from their own their own know. laws yeah yeah it's, it's almost like laws. a moral or religious code or having like a 
philosophical, you know, sense of what's right and what's wrong with Sagittarius versus with Libra. It's more of like a social sense of what would bring balance socially between two people when you're contrasting um, opposite opinions or opposite desires. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very much. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So that's good maybe for Sagittarius and Libra. So moving on to the other air sign that is sextile, we're talking about Sagittarius and Aquarius, where we get a contrast with a Saturn-ruled sign, but it's a Saturn-ruled sign that is um, also a, a diurnal or masculine sign. So there's a little bit more of a easier, more flowing relationship to some extent, or more complementary relationship with Sagittarius and Aquarius than there is with Sagittarius and Capricorn. Yeah, they're definitely. I think it's a it's a great it's a great contrast. Capricorn and Sagittarius versus Aquarius and Sagittarius. You know, mm. because mm. I think Aquarius is a more complementary energy for Sagas. Um, air and fire, you know, mix well. You know, f- uh, fire needs air to to live, um, mm. and Aquarius has that ability to kind of um, yeah keep a Sagittarius going in a way. And you can like I know this personally because my partner is at Aquarius, so I don't want to draw on that relationship too much. I want to kind of like zoom out more broadly. Um, but that's in the back of my mind all the time um, when I talk about <laughs> Aquarius. <laughs> um, but I think one thing that Sagittarius really loves about Aquarius is the way that Aquarius is prepared to reject tradition, and um, and that appeals to their love of freedom. There's a sort of a similarity there where. Sagittarius looks at an Aquarius in the way that they're just doing their own thing, living their own life, and like not caring about what's proper or what's sort of like what's the traditional way, and that inspires them. Um, and there's also this great quality that Aquarius has of like living out their ideals because they're a Saturn ruled sign. They don't just have an ideal; they actually like put it into practice and and live it out in their in their life. There's a groundedness to the idealism and like kind of a um, uh, yeah, realism. I guess we get that with both Saturnian signs. Um, a sort of a more realistic take, and and Sagittarius kind of needs that. It needs to have um someone there who can bring them a bit more down to earth. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's another great quality that Aquarius has. Um, to actually like take those ideas and those high-minded concepts, and then and then you know put in the hard work to to um bring it about in reality. Mm-hmm. And with that energy, I feel like they both kind of like perpetuate or create change or like disruptions that could be beneficial to the community, especially mm-hmm. with Aquarius. Um, and I'm just thinking about like mythologically how I believe both planets, Saturn and Jupiter, were like the gods of the gods. Yes. And so they kind of have this like, authoritarian in a way it could be negative like a god complex sort of thing or they both share the but my ideas are right (laughs) i I see that a lot with aquarius as well (laughs) yes that um that's the sort of the trouble i think that that sometimes um sagittarius has with aquarius is that aquarius is very is fixed and so it knows mm. what it knows its ideals and its beliefs are set in stone and can't easily be budged whereas Sagittarius likes to sort of flow more and like grow in its in its ideal and like it will shift from one ideal to another or will 
learn about a new philosophy or a new way of thinking and, ad- and adopt that. Mm-hmm. So, whereas Aquarius is like, no, that's, I, don't, I reject that. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, fixed well, in this. That's a good point because like they both can share an ideological uh, dogmatism uh, mm-hmm. with, you know, in, in common. They can both be dogmatic ideologically. But um, Sagittarius is a little bit more flexible and maybe a little bit more willing to explore other options. Whereas, um, as a fixed Saturn ruled sign, Aquarius, once it's sort of established something, is a little bit more, can be a little bit more stuck in its ways or a little bit more obstinate about not changing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like the word resolute for Aquarius. Yeah. This is sort of like, I have, dis- I have thought about this. And I have a firm view on it now, and you mm-hmm. will, it, will, it will take a lot to budge you, budge, budge, budge an Aquarius from that, from that view mm-hmm. once they've formed it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, both are very somewhat intellectual signs. One is a fire sign and the other is, a, is an air sign. And I really liked what you said earlier, Rob, about rejecting social convention for Aquarius, because that's a very common thing that comes up over and over again. And I think is part of is an outgrowth of the Saturn rulership because Saturn likes to reject things and it's sort of opposite to Leo and opposite to the sun of like representing rejecting that which is popular or that which every everything else is revolving around, which is like Leo and the Sun and Saturn and Aquarius sets itself apart by standing outside of that or opposite to that in some ways. And um, I think in that way um you're right that Sagittarius sometimes can can get along well with or can admire that in um in Aquarius because it sees it in itself in terms of that desire for um authenticity basically and mm. and being authentic above all else yes yeah i'm trying to think of something that they don't get the, what what are some problems maybe like um i think there's a we are, I already mentioned the fixed versus mutable kind of clash a little bit um, one other thing, uh, it's probably in a similar vein with the modalities is that, um, Aquarius tends to like things to be organized and ordered. Whereas I think there's a more of a chaotic quality to Sagittarius. Like they're happy to right. live with mess and chaos in their lives a bit more than whereas Aquarius would like to have everything neat and tidy. To plan things mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To plan things out versus to have things sort of like up in the air and just sort of like to think on your feet or, or to not necessarily plan out exactly what's going to happen in the future, but to kind of leave, leave your schedule open to some extent. Yes. I'm reminded of that Mm -hmm. earlier example of the astrologer who just bought a bunch of video equipment and just set out to just, you know, because this will work out for sure, you know? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And Aquarius would not like that approach. Um, We would prefer to, um, to have a plan. And, and have a, a structure, a Saturnian structure to things. Yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. And in that way, that can be part of attention is there can be a little bit more of a pessimism to Aquarius as a Saturn ruled sign or a focus or ability to see the faults or the defects in some things, to see the shortcomings in something. And, and it tries to plan for the future by like anticipating those things so as to avoid making those mistakes. Um, but there can be a, a critical quality to that that is similar to Capricorn, um, but not not quite as internalized with Aquarius. And I think that can be a little bit of the difference between Aquarius and and Sagittarius. Yeah. Yes. Both of the Saturnian signs have a realism to them, and uh, 
and like a pessimism to some extent. Yes, um, pessimism. Yeah, and Sag doesn't like that. Doesn't like being told <laughs> that things won't work out or like you know. Um, yeah, Sag needs to believe in yeah. the possibility of a better future. Um, I feel like Sag wants to look at the bright side, and Saturn Aquarius wants to look at like the dark side a mm -hmm. little bit, mm -hmm. or is comfortable with it at least. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Saturn and Aquarius also as an air sign can be cold and there can be like this scientific mm -hmm. sterile, like sort of coldness to it a little bit as well. Um, in terms of looking at the future and other things, whereas with Sagittarius, it's a bit more warmer, a bit more optimistic. Um, they can both be forward thinking though, in a way, which is kind of interesting and similar in terms of the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. They're both future oriented. The difference is that I think Aquarius approaches the future with like, uh, like this is maybe something that could that might work out badly, and how do I like mm. make sure that doesn't happen? Whereas right. Jupiter is more like, sorry, Sagittarius is like looking towards the future with like a like excitement and and like optimism and hope. Mm. Um, mm. I think Aquarius is a little bit worried about hope and worried about like, <laughs> um, you know, whether that's going to be misplaced or it's going to lead you to some like bad outcomes. Mm. Right. Um, all right. So I think that's good for the sextile signs. Mm -hmm. uh, where are we at? We've done Scorpio and Capricorn for the most part uh, as the sign that comes before and the sign that's after. Is Are the only two we're missing are the two otherwise av aversion signs of Taurus and Cancer? Yeah. So. Do you want to talk right. about Taurus, Ashley, maybe? Taurus. <laughs> so Taurus is ruled by Venus. It's an Earth sign. It's fixed, and it's a nocturnal or feminine sign. So it shares. So part of the issue here is it shares nothing in common in terms of those qualities with Sagittarius. So that there's a a lack of similarity or a lack of ability to sort of see each other or recognize recognize each other because they just don't share a lot in common. So um there's an initial you know if, if things that are like kind of gravitate to each other or flow together more easily things that are different have a harder time coming together mm -hmm. yeah that's actually a tough one for me and i carry both of those signs prominently um but i feel like one of the first things that i think of with those two um is the love of like nature mm -hmm. um and they may be different ways of loving nature, but Taurus is like a very earthy nature. I don't know any better words to use, um, but I associate that a lot with Taurus. And then I look at Sagittarius, who, again, going back to kind of like the hunter, uh, half animal, uh, feels comfortable in nature as well. Mm -hmm. So I think they share that quality. One of the things I said in the Libra episode that Taurus is like a garden and Libra is like an art gallery. Oh, I like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I like the art. They gallery. both get something out of being in nature, right? Like Taurus gets a lot out of being in in like for example, the garden, you know. Mm. Um they enjoy being there, they enjoy the the sights and sounds and the smells and the kind of like immediate impact of the garden, like its beauty and it and the um the feeling you get from being in it you know and um uh sagittarius might be looking at the plants and going oh that's a rare 
blah, you know, blah blah plant from that comes from like all the way over in Asia, and you know they're interested in like the like oh this is like inspiring me information being here, you know yeah or like going camping for example like Taurus might love that back to the roots back to um a simple way of living when they go camping you know that kind of like this is so earthy and like grounded and Sagittarius likes the adventure of it and likes the sort of the 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 diff like how different it is to um everyday life and they enjoy that kind of um that sort of alien experience in some ways yeah yeah, yeah I, I think i think taurus would have an issue or sagittarius would have an issue of like needing like taurus would likes tending to a garden and like going every day and just like you know watering the plants and the regularity and being grounded and and how you come back to something that you're just taking care of on a day-to-day -day basis and i think part of the tension there initially would be Tor Sagittarius would get bored with that because it doesn't present a lot of like new stuff that you're you're having to do the same thing over and over again. But if you yeah presented that in like Sagittarius being able to like travel around to different places where it's seeing new gardens or you know parks or or camping or something like that, then that would make sense because there as you said Rob, there would be a sense of adventure there which would be is very important for Sag. Yeah, we haven't used that word yet, I think adventure, but that is a really good keyword for Sagittarius. Yes. Right. Yeah. Reminds me a little bit of um Hold on, what were you gonna say, Ashley, before oh, I ahead. interrupted? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Don't wanna lose my train of thought. But um <laughs> I I was kind of thinking uh like Taurus, you guys mentioned bringing the senses to them. Like they get to experience physically all these senses in the garden. Sounds, mm. smells, the the touch of the grass all of those things and sag also has this like deep connection or things that they feel but it's like they're inspired by like oh like you said oh look at this flower the way that it's structured reminds me of this like idea right. this the, like, bigger the idea of the idea of like the golden mean or something like that yeah like, exactly yeah. like i'm in intellectually making this like oh my gosh this is how life is brought together Whereas right. Taurus is like, I'm just soaking it in physically. Well, I'm feeling it. Well, Taurus would be like, no, just smell the flower. It smells good. Yeah. Like that. Like stop trying to overthink it. <laughs> yeah. <Sag. laughs> you don't need to yeah. intellectualize it. Yes. Yeah. That's a really great contrast between the signs. I think we've kind of nailed it there, Ashley. Yeah. Like, like that there's a practical and immediate interest for Taurus and Sagittarius focuses on things that are far off and like more lofty. And that can be a clash sometimes. I have a friend who's a Taurus. And uh, we both were very into video games, but our tastes in video games are very different. Like he likes old video games that he remembers from his childhood and he loves to just play them over and over again. And he likes oh. simple games. Like he likes the old Nintendo games because there's just two buttons. It's nice and simple. Oh, and you classic. And yeah. <laughs> and I like really like, like, I like some like complex strategy game that's like very huge and like the, sort of slowly expanding across the world. And you can see that sort of difference in like... <laughs> Like I like things that are sort of a high mindedness to it, um, mm -hmm. and he likes something that's more simple. We share yeah. that love of games because you know, and, and you can look at that from terms of the benefics. Like Taurus, ruled by Venus, loves fun and games, and Sagittarius, ruled by Jupiter, also like you know likes to have a good time and you know have fun. Mm -hmm. um, but they go about it in a different way. They have a very different philosophy, you know, um, very different psychology. But they share. They have. There's a, there's a shared kind of like interest in. Yeah, having fun, having a good time, making sure that other people are enjoying themselves. They're, they're kind of, there's like a, what do you call it? Like a hedonistic kind of streak to both of them. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they like the enjoyment of good things, but they might have different preferences about the way they go about enjoying good things. Like I think mm-hmm. of like food tastes, like yes. <laughs> Taurus. Taurus, for example, when it finds like something it likes in terms of food, it'll go back to that over and over again, and it finds joy in familiarity and, mm-hmm, and in the mm-hmm. familiarity of of knowing what they like and having very distinct and definitive like tastes on what they like and sometimes having problems going outside of that because they worry about if they tried something new they might not like it when they could have had that that thing that they originally had which is something a lot of the fixed signs share in in common but especially taurus versus sagittarius um wanting to be adventurous with its tastes and like trying different foods from like different cultures or different places or maybe if it had an option between trying something that it, they've had, you know, 10 times over the past week versus trying a new food that they've never had that they would, they would opt for the new food. Yeah. Sagittarius seeks out difference and seeks out the unfamiliar and it enjoys mm-hmm. experiencing things that are really alien or really strange um, mm-hmm. because they just love that. It's like an g- amazing learning experience and being transported, you know. Um, but Taurus, yeah, really wants to stick with what it knows, and it, it's sort of nervous about the idea of change and novelty and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they almost both like to overindulge sometimes yeah. on those things. Mm-hmm. They're like very different. Like, like you said, with Taurus, always going for that same food, they will gladly overindulge in that same item over and over again, and Sag will gladly overindulge in just over expanding themselves so mm. i think they hold that like gluttonous quality and yeah. indulgence <laughs> quality right <laughs> yeah i think um this is a bit of an esoteric take but i'm an, i'm a sagittarius i'm gonna go with it um yes. in william Lilly's <laughs> christian astrology he describes like you know like the body shapes of different planets like what mm-hmm. planet what they look like you know and in both venus and jupiter he says they're like prone to prone to being a bit fleshy a little bit like kind of yeah. rotund Perhaps because yep. they have that like hedonistic kind of quality, they just love their food and drink. And but yes. like, Sag- but Sagittarius wants to try the new Japanese restaurant that opened around the corner. But mm-hmm. um, um, Taurus wants to just you know um, have that good old home cooking that they're familiar with, or whatever it might be. Yes, mm. definitely. Yeah, that <laughs> makes that. a lot of sense. Um, speaking of home cooking, that might be a good transition to the last sign to contrast, which is Cancer. Mm-hmm. which is the other sign that is in aversion to Sagittarius. Uh, and so Cancer is uh, ruled by the moon. It's a cardinal sign. It's a water sign. And it's nocturnal slash feminine. So um, that one's even more, I think, a little bit more different than, than um, Taurus in some ways. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like one of the contrasts here is um external versus internal or what's the what's the psychological um associations in modern times of like ex- ex- extroversion so versus introversion and- yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah introvert versus extrovert of it maybe more of a tendency for cancer to be more introverted versus sagittarius being a so much more extroverted sign um personality wise yeah absolutely there's there's definitely a contrast there the um there's a, a very inward-looking component to the cancer, and they sort of feel their way through life, you know. Um, uh, and Sagittarius is, uh, yeah, very outward, 
very open, very like, and, and, and sort of mm, dives into things. Um, uh, there's a kind of a little bit of a defensive quality to Cancer, so a little bit similar to Scorpio. They have a shell, you know, and they sort of protect their inner, that they protect that watery nature inside of them. Um, uh, so there's a, yeah, they're, they're a bit more closed off and Sagittarius is very loud and proud and like out there, you know, like <laughs> here I am world, you know, um, and maybe cancer might admire that in Sagittarius, that earnestness and openness. Um, uh, but cancer can't always feel free to be so open and so, and so earnest and trusting There's a, there's a they want to sort of protect themselves a little bit, the, the, the shell of the crab. Yeah. Yeah. And like empathy, I feel like is a strong cancer or water keyword. Mm-hmm. And not saying that Sagittarius doesn't have empathy, but that's something that we have to be like conscious of having because mm-hmm. we get so set in our ways and what we're doing is right. Whereas cancer may pick up more on like, well, this is like maybe hurting somebody by expressing this this way. And Sag is like, I don't care. I'm going to say it anyways. Um, and then I'm also thinking about the moon as like a guiding light of the night mm. and it guides people in darkness, but then Jupiter in a way, even though it's not as visual or you can't see it as well, it's still a guiding light in a way, like as the teachers of the Zodiac, we want to guide you on where you could potentially go. And the moon does that in a way. Mm, yeah but there is that one shared quality they have well somewhat shared that in that the cancer is the exaltation of jupiter so there yeah. is some, like so jupiter okay. does well in cancer it's the other other than sagittarius and pisces it's the next best place for mm. jupiter to be in the zodiac so there's something about cancer that that the jupiter thrives in that space which is interesting mm. to think about yeah mm. and maybe yeah. that has something to do with the earnestness and openness of of Sagittarius, there's like because Cancer is very heart-led. They're a heart, you know, they're heartfelt sign, and they 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 make decisions based on the heart, you know, like as mm-hmm. in the old the old feel like the feeling in your chest that you have, you know, that's where mm-hmm. they're going to make decisions. Um, particularly Cancer rising is going to make decisions based on you know the what their heart is telling them. Mm-hmm. Jupiter has this like. Um, this like jovial quality, this like earnestness, this this earnestness, you know, and an openness, mm-hmm. the opening the heart. Um, yeah. uh, they're not afraid of 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 bearing their heart for people and wearing their heart on their sleeve. Um, so there's something there, I think, about the um, that heart led nature of Cancer that Jupiter actually does well when it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a maybe connected with the exaltation thing. There's like a life affirming quality um, for both of them, or something mm. important about Cancer and, and supporting life in some way. Um, sometimes we think about in the Cancer episode we talked about like nurturing as a Cancer trait and what nurturing actually is and what it's like to like take care of somebody or to have the impulse to cook for somebody to like cook food for somebody and the the nourishing quality of that um to nourish something um and that's a major focus of cancer and while that's not a major focus for sagittarius necessarily um there might be more of a broader sense of that which is nourishing for the soul 
um, as opposed to that which is like nourishing, that which is nourishing, nourishing for the soul or the mind uh, with Sagittarius versus for cancer, that which is nourishing for the body. Mm. Mm-hmm. Another thing that, oh, another thing came up for me. Sorry, Ashley. Um, I'll just quickly mention this um, in in William Lilly again. I keep mentioning Lilly today for some reason. In, in his book Christian Astrology, he he describes from the seventeenth century, seventeenth century astrologer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. he wrote the first textbook in in English, a complete textbook of about astrology in English. He um, describes the personalities of the signs, and he he says something about the moon that always stayed with me. It lives in the back of my mind, rent free, about the moon, which is he says that it. Um, that lunar people, um, they desire to live free of the cares of this world, you know, like they don't, they don't want to be troubled. And I think there's a similar freedom loving quality there with Sagittarius. Like, I think there's something about cancer that might want to just pack up and live in, live in a van and just go out and, and like not be bothered with all this pressures that are put on them by society. And, um, I think there's another shared quality there with, with Sagittarius is that desire to be free of of burden and free of stress and free of um worry mm-hmm. sorry Ashley, yeah. I, I keep talking over you i'm no, terribly no, sorry no, it's my aries rising coming through these ideas are just coming yeah. <laughs> <Love> <laughs> um i was just it's it's not like a big one but um i was just thinking that cancer is a little like more forgiving um because they have that like nurturing quality and they want to help people grow and evolve in like a nurturing way and they'll you know they're just more forgiving and i feel like sagittarius is a lot less forgiving because they have that independent quality to themselves that they expect everyone to be like independent like why do you need this person to cook for you and cancer's like well i want to cook for this person because i care about them and this is affection for me and sag may see it as like well they're a grown adult like they can do these things for themselves so that's a big difference I see. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Less compromising, less, and yeah. you know, yeah, mm-hmm. that sort of fiery, firebrand nature yeah. of Jupiter is like Definitely. more scornful, you know, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, if it feels that something's, that sense of justice you mentioned earlier as well, Ashley, about Sagittarius, that yes, if they're, they're, they're not so ready to forgive, you know, like mm-hmm. they might think of themselves as being like merciful. But they also have like there was there's also this sort of like let's throw them into hell kind of like side yeah, to Sagittarius exactly. as well you know so yeah. let's teach them a little bit more mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah uh, um one last thing I was thinking of was just um that a contrast and, a, and an almost incompatibility between those two signs is that Cancer might have a reputation of being more of a homebody uh, mm-hmm. versus Sagittarius is more like the traveler the explorer the adventurer. And in that way, they they have a almost you know sort of conflict or tension there in terms of the direction that they would both gravitate towards if just left to their default, their their usual devices. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I think given the opportunity, Asaj would love to go explore and um, and uh, yeah, go witness new things, different things. Whereas Cancer probably prefers the familiar and the something that's safe and secure there's a sort of a secure an issue with security with cancer concern about security whereas sagittarius is less worried about that they're more bold they're 
you know, they don't even, they don't, I don't think Sagittarius even consider that someone might try and attack them or hurt them or, you know, <laughs> it's the last mm-hmm. thing on your mind. Um, uh, so, yeah, yeah. So, given the, like you said, Chris, given the opportunity, what, where would they go? What would they do? Cancer might go home. Mm-hmm. And I like the word familiar for cancer, um, like family, familiar. And Sagittarius almost is most comfortable with the unfamiliar because it expands them and cancer feels comfort and security in familiarity. Mm. So I like that word. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, risk taking and like Sagittarius is mm. less risk adverse and more prone towards taking risks mm. um, mm-hmm. versus cancer tends to be a little bit more cautious in terms of risk taking. Absolutely. And sidestep the, the crab, whereas Sag is going forward. <laughs> yeah, which more direct, both literally and sometimes also personality-wise. Like there's a directness to Sagittarius, where there's might be more of an indirectness to Cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sag is often said to be blunt, or like just to say what exactly what's on their mind, and that might offend people <laughs> around them. You know, right? That yes. might hurt hurt <laughs> Cancer's feelings if you're like too blunt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Sag I think- doesn't even know. Yeah. If any sign's going to like take what Sagittarius says in like the worst way and like um and feel like they've their feelings have been hurt or they've been insulted by a Sagittarius, it might be cancer. Yeah. yeah. For sure. All right. Uh you two. I think looking at the signs of the zodiac, as long as we don't do anything crazy like add a thirteenth sign or something like that, I think that is all twelve <laughs> and we have successfully talked about Sagittarius in general and then we've also successfully compared it to the other signs for the most part pretty pretty thoroughly i think at this point right i think so i think we did a great job yeah this was amazing thank you both is there anything um before we wrap up and mention our websites and everything else that we you want to mention or anything that we forgot to mention or that we should have covered or that we'll like kick ourselves for as soon as we stop recording Mm. I don't think I think I've got everything that I wanted to to say um, out. Um, but yeah, it's been a great conversation. Yeah, I actually, do have something I kind of want to add from my notes um, okay. or a few little things. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with tarot at all. Yeah, a little um, bit. But the Temperance card or the Art card are associated with Sag. And those are, it's like the art of alchemy, basically. It's like taking the good and the bad and creating something out of it. Mm. Um, so that's something that I think Sag is very good at is that alchemical process of taking the both the good and the bad and creating something beneficial from that. Um, mm. And speaking of alchemy, my favorite book growing up as a kid was The Alchemist. <laughs> mm. And I really resonate or I, I really felt close to the character taking a journey. He was like on this physical journey, but throughout this process of the journey, he actually learned that it's not about where you're going. It's not your destination. It's the actual journey and the travels, everything that you're encountering on the road to that goal. And that's just like such a strong Sagittarius story to me. Totally. And then like one last thing, uh, going with the bow and arrow, the archer, I am an archer myself. I do archery and I'm just naturally like a champ at it. Um, and thinking about it, uh, let me actually see if I have a note here. 
Um, sorry, guys. But uh, essentially, it's like using like using your using tension, creating tension, and using that tension with focus in a way. Like we talked about, Sagittarius loves creating disruption and tension between people, but using the tension of the bow to like actually go further and there is like a goal and a, a purpose to this tension and once that's released then we want to pick up another one we want to keep on with those goals so i just really like the whole archer connection to it totally that's fantastic that you're an archer in in, in astrology and in real life as well i love that <laughs> thank you my archer father taught me who's a sag as well so <laughs> I love it. It's too <laughs> so, oh, yeah. oh, yes. That was actually a funny point that your father is a so your son signed Sag. Um, your father is a sun signed Sag. And then I think you said your mother's Sag rising. Yes. Okay. That's really funny yeah. in terms of the repetition of family placements. And then, Rob, didn't you say your father was a Sag? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. My father's mm -hmm. Sagittarius. And the, I think he uh, also has a Gemini moon as well, just like me. And I, and I similarly have Sagittarius on Gemini moon. So, yeah, there's something going on there. Yeah, yeah, there's something to that just because I, you know, like I said in the last episode, I'm a Scorpio son, and then my mom and dad are both Scorpio sons. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, that's very interesting. As soon as I heard that your father's, first of all, just matched the sun, it's something to look into. Mm -hmm. The synastry charts when you do the overlays is very, very cool to see. Mm -hmm. Yes, and seeing the patterns within your family and seeing, oh, that's. I am both of my parents. <laughs> yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, where can we find out more information or tell me about your work and what you have coming up? Um, Ashley, what, what, are you, what are you doing? What are your plans for the future? Um, my plans for the future um, is to be more accessible online with astrology um, things. So I do have a website that you can access. Um, and then I also have an Instagram that I like to talk about astrology on here and there. Nice. What's your in Instagram handle? Um, it is the High Priestess. Okay. Um, we may have to post it because there's a lot of little underscores and stuff in there. Okay. Um, sure. And your but, um, URL for your domain is ashleyrparis.com, right? That's right. And I also want to point out that it's kind of funny that I'm the high priestess on Instagram and Sagittarius is the priest priestess. So <laughs> I'll be right. easy to find. Awesome. Cool. I'll put a link to that. And then Rob, what about you? What are you working on? Yeah. So uh, at the moment, I'm still doing horary astrology readings. Um, I'm open. My books are open for horary astrology readings. Uh, if you want to get a reading from me, uh, a horary astrology reading, you can go to my website, which is... Uh, oldschoolastrology.com um i'm also working with with you chris um on the early stages of our our course where we're going to be teaching horary astrology to people um and we recorded our first video lecture just a couple of days ago um so apart from my readings in horary i'll also be focusing on preparing the course materials for that course which is super exciting um yeah, and I'm, I'm also so excited about that because we always we already we've been planning this for like a couple of years now, and we finally yeah. just recorded the first lecture just two days ago. So it's um, it's the Horary Astrology course, which is available at courses.theastrologyschool.com. And um, what we're doing is 
I had an older course that was recorded about a decade ago um, that is up and is available right now. And then we're going to be basically adding new lectures to and, and slowly reviving that course over the next few months. Uh, but people can already sign up for that if they want to get early access to it as we release those videos. Um, and then we'll basically just grandfather in who, whoever's already signed up once we raise the price eventually, once we finish the lecture series sometime next year. Yeah, so you can get in early for a cheaper price now um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and get access to that new content once it's up. Um, yeah, very exciting. And we've been working on it and talking about it for a long time. And it's just a great feeling to actually be in the process of doing it. Um, it's like right. we've mentioned in the in the talk today, like Sagittarius is really great about ideas, but then actually making it happen is another thing. So it's good to have uh, someone with some Saturnian placements, you know, strong Saturn in their chart with Chris here to um, to make this a reality, make the dream a reality, you know. Um, yeah. So in terms of my socials, I'm very active on Twitter. Uh, my handle's at Old School Astro. Um, and I'm also on Instagram at Old School Astrology. Cool. Awesome. And I'll put links to both of your websites in the description, either below this video on YouTube or on the Astrology Podcast website for the entry for this episode. Um, but otherwise, I, I think that's it. So thank you both for joining me today. This is, this is amazing. Thank you so much, Chris. Just really enjoyed the conversation. It's so nice to meet you, Ashley, and talk astrology with you. I just had a great time. Yeah. So good to meet you. And I feel like we had such an expansive conversation. So I hope everyone gets something great out of this too. Mm -hmm. awesome. Inspired and <laughs> full of high ideas. Same high, everybody. All right. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thanks everyone for watching or listening to this episode of the Astrology Podcast. That's it for this episode. So we'll see you again next time. Special thanks to all the patrons that helped to support the production of this episode of the podcast through our page on patreon.com. In particular, shout out to the patrons on our producers tier, including Thomas Miller, Catherine Conroy, Christy Moe, Ariana Amour, Mandy Ray, Angelique Nambo, Issa Sabah, Jake Otero, Mimi Stargazer, and Jean-Marie Kaplan. If you appreciate the work I'm doing here on the podcast and you'd like to find a way to support it, then please consider becoming a patron through our page on patreon.com. In exchange, you can get access to bonus content that's only available to patrons of the podcast, such as early access to new episodes, the ability to attend the live recording of the monthly forecast episodes, our monthly Auspicious Elections podcast, or another exclusive podcast series called the Casual Astrology Podcast, or you can even get your name listed in the credits at the end of each episode. For more information, visit patreon.com slash astrologypodcast. If you're looking to get an astrological consultation, we have a list of recommended astrologers at theastrologypodcast.com slash consultations. The astrologers on the list are friends of the podcast that have been featured in different episodes over the years, and they have different specialties such as natal astrology, electional astrology, synastry, rectification, or horary astrology. You can get a 10% discount when you book a consultation with one of the astrologers on our list by using the promo code ASTROLOGYPODCAST. The astrology software that we use and recommend here on the podcast is called Solar Fire for Windows, which is available for the PC at alabe.com. Use the promo code AP15 to get a 15% discount. For Mac users, we recommend a software program called Astro Gold for Mac OS, which is from the creators of Solar Fire for PC, and it includes both modern and traditional techniques. You can find out more information at astrogold.io, and you can use the promo code ASTROPODCAST15 to get a 15% discount. 
If you'd like to learn more about my approach to astrology, then I'd recommend checking out my book titled Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune, where I go over the history, philosophy, and techniques of ancient astrology, taking people from beginner up through intermediate and advanced techniques for reading birth charts. You can get a print copy of the book through Amazon or other online retailers, or there's an ebook version available through Google Books. I also recently published a new translation of the anthology of the 2nd century astrologer Vedius Valens, which is one of the most important sources for understanding the practice of ancient astrology. You can find that by searching for Vedius Valens the Anthology on Amazon or other online book retailers. If you're really looking to expand your studies of astrology, then I would recommend my Hellenistic Astrology course, which is an online course on ancient astrology where I take people through basic concepts up through intermediate and advanced techniques for reading birth charts. There's over 100 hours of video lectures as well as guided readings of ancient texts, and by the time you finish the course, you will have a strong foundation in how to read birth charts as well as make predictions. You can find out more information at courses.theastrologyschool.com. I also recently launched a new course there called the Birth Time Rectification Course, where I teach students how to figure out your birth time using astrology when the birth time is either unknown or uncertain. You can find out more information about that at theastrologyschool.com. Each year, the podcast releases a set of astrology calendar posters for the coming year, and we've just released our 2023 Planetary Alignments and Planetary Movements posters, which are now available on our website at theastrologypodcast.com store. There you can also pick up our 2023 Electional Astrology Report, where Lisa Scheim and I went through the next 12 months and we picked out the single most auspicious date for each month using the principles of electional astrology. You can get that at theastrologypodcast.com slash 2023 report. And finally, thanks to our sponsors, including The Mountain Astrologer Magazine, which is a quarterly astrology magazine which you can read in print or online at mountainastrologer.com. Finally, thanks also to the Northwest Astrology Conference, which is happening May 25th through the 29th, 2023, just outside of Seattle. This year's conference is going to be a hybrid conference where you can either attend online or in person. Find out more information at norwac.net.